And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the one Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Natai Gauthier. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Well, good weekend, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Pipeline Show. I believe this is, uh, what, episode four of uh, season 19? All I know is it's episode three of the Team by Team WHL Team Previews as we uh, get closer and closer to the start of the regular season. Lots of uh, exhibition games underway already and a bunch of full slate of games this weekend, including right here in Edmonton. We won't be broadcasting it, though. It's uh, out at the uh, Enoch Community Center. Uh, myself and Andrew Peard will be there watching the Edmonton Oil Kings taking on the Calgary Hitmen, but that one is not being broadcast. Before I get any further, a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky, because you can't win friends with salad. Three locations in the Edmonton area, Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. But if you are in Western Canada, save you some gas. You don't have to make that drive in. Go to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. Any order, any size, they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. This will be another short opening segment because we got six teams we're going to put into the spotlight this week. Six guests coming up. So we're going to go quickly. Uh, just a couple of news and note items in the Western Hockey League as a couple of trades have been uh, made since camps got underway. The Everett Silvertips have shipped Bilal Nuri to the Swift Current Broncos for a conditional ninth round pick in 2027. So not exactly a blockbuster deal there. Uh, but closer to home, the Edmonton Oil Kings did make a deal with the Wenatchee Wild. Uh, the Oil Kings adding 2003-born Ty Nash. Yes, son of Tyson Nash, who started his WHL career with the Lethbridge Hurricanes, three seasons with Lethbridge, then was dealt to the Winnipeg Ice last year. Uh, he will end his WHL career in Edmonton, or at least he'll start this season in Edmonton. Who knows what will happen in uh, in January, but I would expect he's going to be a part of this team and play a pretty prominent role. It cost the Oil Kings a former first-round pick Dawson Seitz, as well as a seventh-rounder in the 2024 WHL Bantam Draft. Seitz, a, a good player, a utility guy, unfortunately just has not been able to reach the potential that you would expect from a first-rounder to this point. This would be year three in the WHL for him, so he's still got, got some time, and maybe a change of scenery is exactly what he might need. He's got size, he can skate really well, and he doesn't score a lot of goals, but it seems like, in Andrew Peard and I joke about this, but 
seems like every time he scores, it's a highlight real goal. He scored some really awesome goals, but he only had three last year, and I think the year before that he had five. He's also a guy who hits the post a lot or just misses the net. So it seems like a likable kid, and uh, hopefully it works out for him in Wenatchee. But excited to see what Ty Nash brings to this Oil Kings team. We're going to talk about that deal with Andrew Peard. As, spoiler alert, the Oil Kings are in the spotlight this week, and uh, we'll have that conversation with Andrew Peard. So let's move on from that. A couple of notes uh, out of the Ontario Hockey League. The Niagara Ice Dogs have hired Bruce Boudreaux as a senior advisor to that club. So Minority owner Wayne Gretzky of the uh, Niagara Ice Dogs, and now uh, Bruce Boudreaux is a senior advisor with the team. That's interesting. The Sudbury Wolves unveiled uh, new alternate jerseys that they're going to wear this year, and uh, I haven't seen a, a much in regards to positive response uh, from the new look. You let me know what you think of what Sudbury has unveiled. They're blue jerseys with a gray shoulder and sort of a weird-looking wolf head on the shoulder. It's almost like a late 80s sort of uh, logo. It just says Sudbury Wolves, but the font and the way it's kind of put together, it looks sort of retro-ish, but I don't know that this is a jersey they ever wore. I'd say it's like 1988 to 1992, somewhere in there. Uh, let me know what you think of that. You can get me on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. And lastly, the... World U-17 Hockey Challenge, the schedule has been announced. They will go November 2nd to 11th in Charlottetown and Summerside, Prince Edward Island. There will be six teams, two from Canada. So it'll be Canada Red and Canada White, and the four international uh, entries will be Czechia, Finland, Sweden, and the United States. So should be a pretty good tournament. They will play five games each. It'll be a six-team round robin with the uh, top four advancing to the semifinal game before uh, setting up the final on November 11th. Pro Stock Hockey is your home for Pro Stock Hockey equipment. Sticks, gloves, all the rest. You can follow them on Twitter at Pro Stock Hockey. And uh, of course, the website is ProStockHockey.com. Looking at their Twitter feed right now, it's a deal you can't find anywhere else. Kids, sticks, and gloves receive free tape and free name personalization at all times when you shop with Pro Stock Hockey. Mentioned six guests joining me this week uh, on the program, so it is a lengthy episode. It'll be the same next week as we finish off the team-by-team previews for the WHL season. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The brewery is located in Red Deer. You can get your Troubled Monk at any Alberta liquor store, and if they don't have it when you go in, you can ask them to bring it in because it is available to them. You can also place orders online Pick up right at the tap room in Red Deer or at the Farmer's Market in Calgary, the Farmer's Market in Edmonton. This week, I'm looking at one called Skinny Dippin' Grisette. I don't know what a grisette is. If you know what it is, let me know. But it's described as a light beer, perfect for the sun-drenched days of uh, late summer. A refreshing oasis of delight that turns ordinary moments into extraordinary memories. Skinny Dippin' Grisette. If you've tried it, let me know. Here is this week's guest list, the six teams that we will uh, put under the microscope and the six play-by-play broadcasters who will join me to uh, dissect those teams. We're going to begin with the Kamloops Blazers, and that means John Keane back on the Pipeline show. They were the hosts of the 2023 Memorial Cup. Had a really good showing there, but uh, not able to come away with the hardware. 
obviously the Quebec Rampart, went home with a unblemished record and the trophy. From Kamloops, we go to Vancouver, Nathan Cantor, new broadcaster in the Western Hockey League. So we'll get to know Nathan, and then we will get to know the Vancouver Giants. And by the sounds of it, that could be a team worth watching this year. We'll leave southern BC and uh, head over to central Saskatchewan. Les Lazaruk, who has been behind the microphone of the Saskatoon Blades for three decades. And I wonder, is this the year that Les gets to call games in the WHL final? The Blades should be pretty good. They should be contenders, at least for the conference. And we'll talk about that with Les. Then it's back out to BC. In fact, the furthest team located west in Canada, and that would be the Victoria Royals and Marlon Martins, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Royals. Another one of those teams that missed the playoffs and are looking to get back in the postseason this year. We'll see if they can do it. Then it is time for the defending champs, the Seattle Thunderbirds and Tom Boyning, who rocks the mic in the Emerald City. Surely, after back-to-back WHL final appearances, this must be the year that the T-Birds take a step back and start selling off, right? Well, hold your horses. I think you might change your tune if that was your thought once you've heard Tom with this uh, preview for the T-Birds this year. And we will close things out. I told you that the Edmonton Oil Kings would be on the show today and uh, they will be closing out this week's episode. Andrew Peart and I will uh, set you up for what to expect here from Edmonton this season. So lots to get to. We're going to begin with the Kamloops Blazers. John Keane, he is up first via the Troubled Monk Hotline. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Obey Kubel, in on Orman, gets by, saved by Jari, what a stop, center, another chance, Richard, saved by Jari, another chance, didn't make it through, Jari down, covers it up in a huge pile in front, Tristan Jari keeps the Oil Kings season alive. Hey, it's Tristan Jari from the Edmonton Oil Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Look, guy, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, guy. Week three of the WHL team-by-team previews beginning this week as uh, we get to know six more teams uh, ahead of the opening night schedule. And uh, camp's now well underway for everybody. In fact, uh, most weekends are done and and get into main camp and exhibition season uh, gets going. And uh, the next stop on our tour is Kamloops, the, uh, I was going to say defending uh, Memorial Cup champs, but uh, the defending Memorial Cup hosts. I don't want to... a little salt in the wound there, but I thought the tournament overall, John, I wasn't there, but by all accounts, excellently run tournament, and everybody that was there had a blast. I thought it was just an excellent uh, display of hockey. Yeah, it was awesome, and I guess they can't take the, the defending host uh, title away from Kamloops here for now, but uh, yeah, it was an awesome event, and you know, like, I've been 
around for, you know, 20 some seasons and, you know, you think you've sort of seen it all and done it all. And, you know, you get into an event like that and you see the Peterborough Pete's jersey and the REM parts and, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing, I mean, there was a lot of sort of hair straight bat moments for me as well. Um, you know, in a real new cool, cool situation. It was an awesome week. Uh, weather was awesome. I think Kamloops in the city put on a great show. Uh, and obviously the result wasn't uh, what the team wanted, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Kamloops list, uh, you know, lived up to that house billing. Now, most people I've spoken with so far doing these previews, it's been, man, summers, it seemed like it lasted forever, chomping at the bit to get back. A little <laughs> bit different for you guys and, and <laughs> for Seattle? Yeah, no, what, 12 weeks? Yeah. I mean, I, talking to a lot of the veterans at training camp this week, a lot of them feel like it's just like, you know, one long season. And, and keep in mind, you know, this team has played into June now the last uh, two years. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, June 1st, and then I guess Memorial Cup wrapped up June 4th. So uh, it, uh, it's it been some long years, but uh, it's been good because, you know, the Blazers had sort of a black aces squad of young players and signed players that they were able to basically have on the ice every day, you know, through, you know, the process to host the Memorial Cup and during the tournament. So I think a lot of these young listed players, signed players, got a real good experience around the team. All right. Well, let's get to know uh, the roster this year. And, of course, we'll reflect on who's not back from what we saw in the playoffs and at the Memorial Cup. And that's a long list for sure. Uh, of course, everybody loses their O2s for, for Kamloops. That's Dalen Kiefler and Ryan Hofer up front and Ethan Brandwood on the back end. But then there's an extensive list of uh, guys who aren't back. Guys who could potentially be back, but nobody's expecting Logan Stankoven back or uh, probably Matthew Semenov or... Caden Bankier and Olin Zellweger and Kyle Masters. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, those guys, and I'm sure there are others too. Yeah, you know, Jakub Demick would be, you know, a possibility as far as not back either. Uh, but it's a long list, you know, like I, I don't know how much time you have on your show here with me, but uh, it goes on and on. Um, you know, I, I think that you expect, I wouldn't say you expect anybody back, but but I think in situations usually you might see you know, a player trickle back based on some numbers, based on the adjustment. You know, the Blazers have had two players, uh, Kyle Masters and Caden Bank here, that really haven't had a chance to to train uh, all of the summer because of injuries. Masters, of course, hurt himself in the Memorial Cup. Right. Uh, and he was, you know, inactive basically for 12, 14 weeks. Caden Bank here suffered a, a torn Achilles uh, like two weeks after the tournament. And he's not even back on the ice yet. So, you know, how does that affect things with the NHL teams that they're signed under? In fact, they're both Minnesota Wild. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you, you can't bank on it. They're not part of training camp. Uh, those players you mentioned aren't not here. They weren't invited. You know, the Blazers are saying, get on with your pro career, and that's the way it should be. Uh, another player uh, would be import Apo Sorrell, a Finnish import uh, who is going to stay home and play pro, presumably. He's 20 years old now in an import. Uh, and then, yeah, that long list uh, is a long one. Uh, but we'll wait and see uh, if the new uh, new era here can take over. Well, it's a great point you make with uh, with Bankier and Masters being injured like this because you never know what's going to happen, and it could be especially with Masters, who's not you said not back on the ice yet. No, Bankier is not back on the ice yet. So that, I mean, that we'll see what Minnesota decides to do. It reminds me a bit of Luke Prokop last year for with the Oil yeah. Kings. I don't think they were yeah. counting on him coming back uh, and ended up uh, getting him. Uh, so we'll see. And Jakob Demick, who is 20 but not signed by the Vegas Golden Knights right now, but because he was drafted outside of the CHL, Vegas has lots of options on what to do with him. 
Yeah, like, you know, there are a lot of options. And even if he does come back, uh, the Blazers would then owe Edmonton, I believe, a third-round pick, which was part of the conditions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I believe the Blazers are are pretty much settled on their two new import defensemen. So, um, you know, if Demick does end up back here, great to see him. But it would probably be a move uh, outside of the team to, uh, you know, extend his WHL career somewhere else. But, again, those are uh, long shots at this point and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, seeing where the chips fall. All right, well, lots of roster change, but one area where there is no change, really, is between the pipes. and You get both your goaltenders back to start camp, right? Both Dylan Ernst and Matt Keeper, and I'm sure there's other guys in camp or that were in camp as well, but it seems like you, you've got an opportunity to return both guys. Yeah, both uh, are back and both were in camp, uh, but I, I just don't know of the scenario where you keep two 19-year-old goaltenders. Uh, it's not you know fair to either. Uh, both at that age want the crease, so I would expect uh, likely Dylan Ernst is here, uh, and they really like young Jesse Saunch coming up, uh, who will be in his uh, 17-year-old season, and uh, he's a good one. He's a really good one. Uh, we're told that you know he could get uh, you know some games this year, a lot of games. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, two 19-year-old returning goaltenders. You know how that works. Usually, only one remains. That's true. That's true. Speaking with some guys around the league, it seems like goaltending's at a premium right now in the WHL. So if you've got an extra goaltender, you might be able to uh, do well for yourself by, by moving them. There you go. Well, if you're a general manager out there, then you know you know the Blazers have a. Uh, some strength there, so maybe a quick phone call to Sean Clouston, and maybe you could find yourself with an experienced goaltender here. We'll yeah. put the plug out right now. <laughs> well, looking at the uh, the WHL's roster page right now, it only lists five defensemen for the Kamloops Blazers, so uh, I'm guessing uh, there's more than that uh, still with the team right now. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, so, you know, the Blazers, I think, did really well in their two import selections uh, this summer. You know, that's a gaping hole in the back end when basically you lose four defensemen that were on that Memorial Cup roster. Right. So you need to find a way. So they use both their import picks to select goaltenders. Uh, and what I've seen so far, they have two guys that can play and likely play in all scenarios. And Mateo Kochi and uh, Wojtek Volkvest, both are 18. Both uh, just finished representing their country uh, at a tournament in Sweden. And I like what I've seen. It's sort of one is a, a puck-moving skilled guy. One is a really physical guy that was probably the most physical in camp, which is crazy. Uh, we were saying he's from Czechia, Saskatchewan. Here's what <laughs> we were calling him today. Uh, but, yeah, that's Volkfest. So they, I think they felt that they've really plugged a couple of holes there. Uh, and now it'll be, you know, likely a, a first or second, you know, list player that'll fill uh, the rest of the of that back end up. They're both defensemen. They're both from Czechia. Uh, I have to assume that they are probably friends or at least know each other pretty well. You said they were just playing together in Sweden. Can you foresee them playing as a defensive pairing, or do they have to be on uh, on the same side? Yeah, that that's a great question. Well, they're if they don't know each other very well, they're they're billet roommates as well, so well. they'll get to know each other quite well here in Kamloops. Uh, but they've added personality too. Like sometimes you have you know imports come in and it takes a while for them to kind of dip their toe in the water and kind of test the situation. Now, these two have come in, teams embrace them right away. They got great attitudes. They bring a little bit of life, a bit of jam. Uh, and would they play together? That's a possibility. Um, that's, you know, probably be a tall task. One would play well off the other being one is a more stay home defenseman. The other one's more of a puck mover. Uh, so Gita, uh, we'll put a, we'll put a check back note on that and see where that goes. All right. Well, with all the changes, it has one of the guys who are, is returning. Logan Barros is the eldest uh, statesman on the back end, but is there a guy who is going to be looked to as sort of the, the anchor, the leader of that defensive core? 
Well, I think it'll be anchored by committee. You mentioned Barrels. He is a 20-year-old, and he's been uh, with this uh, around the team since basically 16, 17. So, you know, he's a 20. He's a leader. I think a guy like Harrison Brunick is going to be really put into an increased role this season ahead. Uh, it's his draft year. He has the potential to be, a, you know, a, a mid to early round pick in the draft. He's big. He skates well. He's got some skill. You know, so I think you have Barrows, you have Brunick, uh, and then you have uh, Ryan Michael, who's been on this roster and was part of the Memorial Cup and played some games. Uh, Ryan Nolan is a 19-year-old that's been a bit of a journeyman out there. Uh, he could see some some time um, you know, filling out the, the top six here. But, you know, they really like guys like Anderlini, who has come in. They listed him last year. I think uh, he's coming into a 17-year-old season from the coast. Uh, he's a guy that could factor into that top seven. And training camp just wrapped up. Uh, and likely there'll be a signing or two on the back end uh, with some players that will have a shot, you know, to uh, stick with this team come the regular season. That's great. Uh, John Keane, the voice of the Camus Blazers, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Let's uh, look at the forward group. And uh, again, there there are some returnees with uh, NHL pedigree now with uh, Emmett Finney, Connor Levis, and uh, Fraser Minton. Uh, and who knows what happens with the academic. But uh, there are lots of changes up front, won't there be? Yeah, a lot of changes. And, you know, when you, you put your, you know, your 12 forwards on the board and, and look at, you know, your depth, uh, it, it's going to be fairly young up front. And it's going to be uh, times where, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot to handle for the forward group, especially if they match up with a team with a lot of depth. Uh, but but I think they like what they have. Uh, Fraser Minton will anchor this team up front, second round pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's put the the C on as the captain, replacing Logan Stankoven. Uh, he's a young, oh, he's young, but he's very mature, uh, wise beyond his years, uh, and he's going to be the anchor. You mentioned Levis, you mentioned Finney, just got drafted by Winnipeg and Detroit. Uh, they'll be very much in there, and then maybe an old friend of yours uh, in the Edmonton Oil King days, uh, Shea Van Olm, has come in and had a great camp so far, and uh, he is really a guy that I think is ready to take a, a next step and play in a top six role. Well, that's great to hear. And I mentioned there are guys who were maybe bottom six players last year who suddenly have an opportunity at least to grab a top six role. Or or maybe guys who were never thought of as potentially on a power play last year who maybe they get some special teams time. Yeah, and that, you know, the name that comes to mind there is Dylan Sador. He's now a 20-year-old up front, and, you know, with, with the – returning forward situation you know as is right now as it is you know he's a he's a big part of this team uh ashton Furster, another guy who is more of a big body physical uh player he's also a 20 year old up front with game experience so that's your veteran group coming back uh and you know it's 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 a little thin for sure uh but when you factor in you know some guys that have been around the team here uh maybe were on that playoff roster didn't play a lot of games you know guys like Ashton Tate, Connor Radke, Max Sullivan who has a couple of games under his belt. These players are, you know, they're going to be everyday players now uh, on this team here uh, come the regular season. Are there some invites uh, that came to camp or guys that were drafted or looking to get signed right now too like you were mentioning with the Blue Liners? Yeah, you know, same thing. Uh the, the Blazers uh, listed and signed uh, Josh Kelly last year. He was in play uh, U18 uh, you know, BC-based team. He played for uh, Greater Vancouver Canadians. He led that league in goals. Uh, he's a bigger guy that's uh, 17, as mentioned, and he's going to get a, a shot. They moved up in the draft to 
to draft him uh, in the first round. And, you know, he is now a 16-year-old that they expect to, you know, play in their top nine and, and get an opportunity here to have a really good 16-year-old season and going into his draft here next year and, uh, you know, hopefully contribute with some offense. I've been asking all the guys that it, if there was a storyline or something that they're waiting to see, they were curious how this is going to play out during camp. They, they they couldn't really piece it together. Maybe it was defensive pairings or who's going to be the starting netminer or which young invitee is going to work their way up and impress in camp. Was there something like that that you went into camp wondering how it was going to play out and Maybe you have your answer now, or maybe you still got to wait for exhibition games. Well, I think it's it's twofold for me. Uh, the blue line, I think there's a bit of a sigh of relief. Uh, the fact that these two imports uh, from Czechia look like they'll be everyday players in all situations. Uh, that has answered some questions for sure. They, they plug some holes there. But the, the story that I'll watch develop here is how do the Blazers go this season and try to recoup some of the draft picks they've used, you know, for the 24, the 25, the 26 draft. How do they go about recouping those assets? Do they do it with current roster players? Do they do that with potentially some players coming back from pro? You know, it's a real balancing act because, you know, you want to be competitive and you need your leaders in place, but you also know that you used a lot of draft capital last year and really the year before. This team's really been buyer's key. For, for four years, minus the COVID season, like it's a team that has been, you know, four-time divisional champions. They've been to the conference finals, and they've never been really in a selling position, um, you know, adding back all the way to the COVID year where, you know, think of guys like Max Martin, uh, you know, and and, uh, and Ryan Hughes and, you know, additions like that. They, they, they've used a lot of draft picks and, you know, some things on their credit card the last number of years that they're going to have to recoup here at some point. Uh, it sounds pretty familiar, John, I'll be honest. It sounds a lot like what yeah. the Oil Kings went through last year. Now, a 10-win season is not a lot of fun. Uh, if it is, if that is the direction that Kamloops decides to go, how do you think the fan base reacts? Yeah, I, I don't think there'll, you know, there'll be a, like a, like a 10-win season here. And I guess, you know, famous last words, but, you know, I think this team, <laughs> I think this team will be competitive. Uh, it's, it's not like, you know, this division is a real juggernaut this year. There's a lot of teams sort of in transition or maybe a year or two away. Like I look at Vancouver, uh, they have some top talent, um, but they're still relatively young. Prince George uh, probably right now on paper is the favorite with, you know, Zebra Height and some of the forwards they return and they're, they're back in. But it's not like this division will overwhelm you. Um, the thing is, this this fan base, the brand is, is really strong for the Blazers right now in the city. Mm-hmm. And season tickets, uh, season tickets are strong. Once again, this is not the same team. You don't have hometown hero Logan Stankoven sort of driving the bus. Um, so it's a bit of a wait and see on that. I, I still think this team's strength is their veterans, but also coaching. You know, the two guys they have behind the bench. Uh, one is the active leader in wins in the WHL and Sean Clouston, and the other is the all-time uh, leader in wins uh, in Don Hay in WHL history. So there's a lot of experience there. Uh, and I don't think a 10-win season is something anybody wants to go through. I, I've been through, I think, a 18-win season uh, before. That's not a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, I think if this team can, you know, hit the ground running with a bit of a, you know, some runway here. Like, I, And I'm talking to you, Guy. The, the Blazers have much higher aspirations than what I'm saying right now. Like, like right. this team is still very much, let's win a fifth straight division. Like, that's how they're approaching things right okay. now. Um, and, and, you know, how do they do that and, and recoup assets? Now, that'll be a challenge, uh, but they have a great management team, 
uh, in place, great coaching staff, and you know they'll hopefully find a way here to weave some magic. Well, if the plan is to contend for a division again, then I guess wondering just about making the playoffs. Uh, I mean, you set the bar a lot higher than just getting into the playoffs. It gets a little trickier now with uh, an extra team in the conference, but you don't think that's something that the fans need to worry themselves about just yet, that this team won't be fighting for that final playoff spot? Yeah, I've been sort of, uh, you know, uh, testing the, the temperature of, of fans. You know, there's, uh, I have the podcast and, you know, around town. And, and, and my thing has been, you know, how will you react to a team that, you know, isn't a 50 win, uh, a, a, you know, 50 win a season team that we've seen here uh, recently. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the fans here are knowledgeable. Like they, they know that junior hockey is cyclical for the most part. And, and they know that this team is coming off really four or five years of uh, exciting brand of hockey, but at some point it catches up to you. Uh, is that this year? We'll wait and see. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you say this now, Guy, but no one likes to lose. I mean, no one likes to lose. And the more you win, the more you hate to lose. Uh, it's a feeling that uh, is not a lot of fun when you're used to winning hockey games. So even though people are like, yeah, we can be patient, you know, when the rubber hits the road, I guess we'll find out. To me, at least on paper, it's, it still looks like a pretty fun team to watch. There's lots of talent here still, and who knows, you might get a couple of Christmas presents from Minnesota along the way. and. <laughs> That could change the complexion of the season for sure. Uh, Keener, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, looking forward to uh, the start of the season. I know the Blazers don't come here, uh, but uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths once again. Yeah, hey, I really appreciate you checking in on uh, on every broadcaster and every team this season. You know, when I go and walk the dog, it's it's uh, about a perfect length for a dog walk to go check in on what's going on in Branded and things like that. So uh, it's great, and thanks for doing this and, and supporting the Western Hockey League. There's John Keane, the voice of the Kamloops Blazers and uh, also the host of uh, WHL This Week, which uh, a lot of the broadcasters will use during their broadcasts. Uh, you can hear those in-between periods and intermissions, things like that. I think if you were to do a poll of uh, the top broadcasters in the Western Hockey League, uh, I think John Keane would get a lot of votes from the fans. Now, what do you think of the Blazers and their chances to... Uh, not just make the playoffs, but uh, maybe contend again for a divisional title. What do you think? Do they still have enough left in the tank? Still a lot of lots of good players there. And interesting how he's made it pretty clear that the Kamloops will be shopping a goaltender. I would think that would be Matt Keeper. Dylan Ernst, probably the guy they would want to hang on to, I would guess. I could be wrong. It's I've been wrong once before. Find me on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee, or X, or whatever we're calling it now. We've got five more teams to get to in this week's episode, including the team that Kamloops faced in the Western Conference Final and a couple other divisional rivals as well also this week. And one of them is next as we head out to Langley, B.C. The Vancouver Giants are in the spotlight next with new play-by-play voice Nathan Cantor. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. It's the Blazers, Stankoven, left wing, trying to work around Dory. And uh, Stankoven is shoots! From his knees! Stankoven goes top cheese! And this is the Pipeline Show. Nothing 
compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I think I'm getting the black lung pop. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming as we continue going across the Western Hockey League and getting set for the upcoming season by visiting each team individually, speaking with the play-by-play man for each of those clubs and getting some inside knowledge on what the teams are looking like as the regular season gets closer. Of course, The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, but you can get it anywhere in Western Canada just by going to their website. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. Our next stop is in Vancouver with the Giants, and a new play-by-play voice for the Vancouver Giants this year is Nathan Cantor. Nathan, welcome to the Pipeline Show. First-timer, great to meet you. Yes, no, thank you so much uh, for having me on. Looking forward to to previewing the season a little, and I really just can't wait for the puck to drop on on the new season. Uh, extremely excited uh, for this opportunity that I've got. Well, we, we've got lots to talk about, but maybe just because you're a newcomer to the show and probably a newcomer to a lot of uh, WHL watchers, a uh, little bit about yourself. What's your background? How do you get to uh, where you are now? Yeah, uh, as many, I would imagine, as many young broadcasters, a, a few different stops along the way. I've been in a few different cities, a few different leagues. Uh, I originally uh, am from Toronto, uh, back out east. Uh, not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but I did grow <laughs> up there. Uh, and uh, after uh, going to, to I got a broadcasting degree and, and went to university. After that, my first stop, I uh, knew I always wanted to work in sports, uh, hockey specifically, and uh, was lucky enough to get a job at a university in North Battleford, Saskatchewan, wow. um, in the SJHL, calling games for, yeah, for the Battleford's North Stars uh, in the SJ there. I uh, was there for a couple of years, uh, and then my next stop was in, in Salmon Arm in the BCHL with the Salmon Arm Silverbacks. Really enjoyed my time there. Uh, other than that was when COVID hit. So I was there 2019-20, uh, my first season. Yeah, right uh, in the middle of our, between our first and second round playoff series was when uh, when everything came to a screeching halt. Uh, wow. We had just swept Victoria in the first round and we were about to head to trail uh, who had Kent Johnson at the time uh, on the trail smoke eaters. And uh, we were feeling pretty good. Not, of course, I'd say we, uh, the, the team, uh, I obviously no role in how well or bad the team does. Uh, but uh, I know the team was really, really looking forward to uh, a, bit, a bit of an underdog and taking on trail. And then, uh, yeah, we did not take that bus. Uh, yeah. We did not go to trail. Everything came down. So I went home uh, to Toronto for, uh, I guess that was that whole, you know, March, uh, April, May, June, that whole first, first few months. Uh, went back out to, to Salmon Arm and we played a bit of a bubble season. Uh, that was my second year there and then was lucky enough to uh, work for the Regina Pats the past couple seasons, which uh, was awesome to, to see, of course, Connor Bedard, um, his his growth and, and be there behind the scenes. I was not calling games with the Pats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was managing digital media and the website and social media, uh, but worked alongside Dante DeCaria there, the play-by-play voice. Uh, we're pretty close now, having worked closely together for the past couple of years. I also knew him before because he was in the BCHL uh, as well. But right. uh, yeah, after 
after that, I, I knew I always wanted to get back and, and have an opportunity to call games again. So uh, that now I'm here in, in the lower mainland and very much uh, looking forward to, uh, I think, what is going to be the beginning of a very exciting time for, for the Giants, just in terms of the young talent that they've accumulated. And it, it seems to be the beginning of, uh, you know, a be- beginning of a window of, I think, from here, it's only going to be going up for the next few years uh, for the Giants. Exciting. Well, we're going to get to know the roster here in a second, but uh, with uh, a, a few changes, not just with the play-by-play guy, but a new uh, head coach behind the bench for the Giants as well. Uh, in comes Manny Viveros. And how, I wonder, I mean, you weren't there last year, but are you getting a sense of how the team might look different on the ice playing in front of a, a new head coach? Yeah, a, a bit of a sense. Again, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Manny's new, I'm new. Uh, we have a new video coach in Caden Jarvis, actually, the, the brother of uh, Seth Jarvis. Uh, we have a new equipment manager, Cord Ivanko. So there's been a lot of new staff. Um, Adam Maglio is back as assist- associate coach and, of course, Barkley Parnetta, general manager. But um, the, the way I see things, first off, Michael Dick, from right when I kind of came in was when he had got the opportunity uh, to go to the American Hockey League and uh, t- take a role with the Toronto Marlies. Uh, so I didn't really, you know, kind of met him a couple times and then he was gone. Mm. But my understanding, first off, tremendous respect from the organization, like what he did his first year uh, the, as head coach. He had already been an assistant prior, but his first year as head coach, the, the Giants, of course, go to the final. Uh, the, the culture that he built here, very, very respected, very well. Uh, good hockey mind, but just a good person, a good, um, great coach. And, and everyone uh, was, was great it was awesome to see him get that opportunity in the american hockey league um but i do think uh manny is also you know he comes with a winning pedigree uh he has won at the western league level uh he's coached uh in europe for years and years he coached the past three seasons in henderson at the ahl the american league level right under the vegas golden knights um so yeah he he's won he won a memorial cup as a player like he he i think Um, both of them, tremendous resumes, tremendous coaches. In terms of a difference, I think what you're going to see under Manny Viveros is a little more freedom. I think Michael Dick, right, uh, really stressed that defensive structure and, you know, you've got to play well, uh, hard away from the puck, and that's kind of really, really what he emphasized was even if you're a gifted offensive player – you still need to worry about your own zone. And not to say that that's not the case under Manny, but I think we're going to see a little bit more freedom for for younger players, for offensive players uh, to make mistakes. And I think, uh, you know, in junior hockey, there are a lot of mistakes, of Mm -hmm. course, uh, because they are kids. And I think different coaches might have uh, different philosophies on how to deal with how much leash and and rope to give uh, young players and offensive players um, because, of course, if you want to win, you have to care about your own zone. You have to play defense. But I think uh, different coaches will, will emphasize that defensive structure more than others. And I think under Manny, we're going to see last season, uh, I looked at the stats, it was hard for Vancouver to score goals last season. That, that's the numbers of the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, I think, will change. And I think the power play as well, uh, which definitely struggled last year, I think the power play will be improved for the Giants. I think they're going to score more goals. And the other thing, and this is, uh, we'll see with, uh, I don't know if this has to do necessarily with the new head coach, but there's some young players, some young 16-year-olds that we're going to talk about that are going to be really exciting 
and I think could have fabulous rookie seasons for the Vancouver Giants. Nathan Cantor, the new voice of the Vancouver Giants, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. All right, the uh, roster from the playoffs is the most up-to-date that we have available uh, at the moment on the WHL's website. Uh, You know, every team loses their 20-year-olds from last year as they age out, so the three 2002-born players who are with the club in the spring who are not back now would be a leading scorer, Ty Thorpe from last year, who led the team by 20 points in scoring, and, uh, well, I guess 15 points in scoring. Uh, Dylan Anderson on the back end, and starting netminder Jesper Vickman. So three pretty big pieces from last year's team not back. Who else from last year's playoff roster is not returning, at least uh, so far in uh, camp and in now into preseason? Yeah, so the good thing is, as uh, frustrating as it may be, of course, <laughs> no roster for us to go, uh, at least the current one for us to, to look at, is almost everyone is back. So that that kind of simplifies things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, five of the top six scores, uh, so the only one that's not of the top six scores back is, as you mentioned, a 20-year-old uh, in, in Ty Thorpe. But uh, everyone else, as of right now, from that playoff roster, um, is back except for Ethan Semenuk, who was traded uh, this past offseason, uh, and in comes Merrick Howell from the Moose Jaw Warriors. So uh, if you're looking at, uh, uh, again, one of the reasons, not just the incoming young guys that we'll talk about in a little bit that's exciting uh, for the Giants, is, is a big, big uh, returning crop of players are also all coming back, right? Samuel Honzik, first-round pick, uh, the Calgary Flames, Jaden Lipinski, uh, fourth round pick of the Calgary Flames, Skyler Bruce is back. Um, they're the Ty Halliburta, Mazden Leslie. Like th- these players are gonna, all those players I mentioned, of course, are gonna play a big role. But mm-hmm. but everyone, uh, really, I'm just looking here at the roster. Like Tyler Thorpe is back, Will Subject is back, Colton Roberts is back, Brendan Pentecost is back, Colton Lankow is back, Kyron Gronick, Connor Dale, Julian Colcott. Like every single player save for those 20s, and then a trade uh, where Ethan Semenuk is no longer a Vancouver Giant, uh, they're all back. And so it's uh, there was a big camp that the Giants had, a lot of over 70 kids, but they did have a, a good idea of what the roster was going to be, um, I think, heading into the preseason, and it's not out yet, and it, it will be shortly. Uh, but again, lots of returning guys, and lots of new players. What does that mean? It means competition. There's going to be a lot of competition for who makes that final roster, which is why I'm super excited to see what unfolds in the preseason. Now, just for the benefit of casual fans who don't follow the Giants super closely, uh, we mentioned Ty Thorpe led the team in scoring last year and isn't back, but we also said that Ty Thorpe is coming back this year. It's a different Ty Thorpe. <laughs> there were two Ty Thorpes on the team last year. Uh, so the, yes. the, the Ty Thorpe that is returning is uh, much younger and only had six points in 48 games last year. So uh, we'll just clarify that for the, uh, the listener who might have got a little bit confused there. Um, all right, let's go with the uh, goaltender who came to camp and who are still with the team who's vying to be that number one guy this year is there a clear-cut number one guy or might we see a bit of a platoon system with the Giants yeah so as of right now it's uh very much looking like uh, 20 year old Brett Mirwald, uh who's in 03 um is probably going to uh be the guy but uh, very much alongside, I guess, looking like a 1A, 1B, uh, because youngster Matthew Hutchison, who had a fabulous season last year uh, in Junior B for the Oceanside Generals, uh, I think he went 19-1-1 last season and was the goaltender of the year. Uh, he and Mirwald appear to definitely be the 1-2. Uh, 
Um, and, uh, and I, th- I think it bodes well. I think people don't appreciate how, uh, how well uh, Mirwald played last year. Uh, he played 26 games, so he, he didn't play a lot. He was 9-9-4, nine, 9-9, nine, and, four, uh, nine, nine, sorry, nine, nine, and five. But he had a 9-10 save percentage. And for a team here that last season, you know, wasn't uh, – they had a lot of defensive lapses, let's say, uh, in terms of the amount of shots that they allowed last season. Looking at the stats again, I didn't see them game after game last season, but they did allow a lot and a lot of high quality. So a 9-10 save percentage uh, in 26 games last season, uh, pretty, pretty good. So he's definitely going in with the kind of – He's going to try and mentor Hutchison, I believe. Hutchison uh, has only played uh, a couple of games at the WHL level. So he's an 06, so he is um, going to be an 18-year-old. He's not 18 yet. He doesn't turn 18 until October 7th. Um, and he, so he's played five total games. He played three in 21-22, uh, a couple of games last season. And uh, they were against... Uh, yeah, he he was he got in I guess a game and a half last season. One was in relief. So uh, the the idea is you got Hutchison, you got this young up and comer, but you can't throw him to the wolves and have him play too much. So I think it's a good situation where you have an older goaltender in Mirwald who can you know mentor him and, and play, uh, but you have this young up and comer and you you he's going to get experience this season. I think Hutchison will see. It'll be very interesting. They're really high on him. Um, he's, he's six, two, he's not the biggest guy, um, doesn't take up a lot of the net. He, but he is tall enough at six, two, but he moves well, he moves really well and he's good positionally. And he's, that's kind of what you're looking at with the goaltending. It'll, it'll be interesting to see last season, having a 20 year old goaltender, right. That takes away mm-hmm. uh, a skater spot for a 20 with, with Vickman is what they did last year. So I don't think that was their, their preference to have a goaltender be a 20 and, and they're looking like that might be the case again. So we'll see, right? That can change. Things can always change. But yep. as of right now, it's definitely Mirwald and Hutchison. All right, let's go to the blue line. I think it's fair to say Mazda and Leslie, probably the biggest name on the blue line. And, and that's that's not to say it's not a there's quality back there, but it, they might not be household names, at least outside of the, the Western Hockey League. Well, maybe we'll start with Leslie. This is a guy who thought, uh, a lot of people thought he would get drafted last year and didn't uh, at the NHL draft. So he's he's going to have a little extra motivation this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think you nailed it there. Um, and, and I said that actually in, in our first episode of, um, of Giants this week the other day, that very thing. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I think uh, that may have been on his mind a little bit too much last year being his draft year where, you know, I think it's best for players to just focus on their game and just play and, and sometimes that can weigh on you a little bit, you a, a little bit too much, and you might try and you know change your game or do a little too much, or um, that that may have had a factor last season. But again, fifty points, how how can you deny? I mean, he was one of only two uh, first year draft eligible defensemen to have fifty or more points, uh, and the only other one was was Dragasevic uh, mm-hmm. in Tri City. So uh, very very good offensive season. And it is the D zone with him that does need work. Um, so, and, and he knows that too. And I think we'll see uh, that improve this season as he, you know, another year under his belt, he's a year older. Um, he definitely looks like he uh, worked hard this off season. I saw him at camp. He looks uh, bigger, stronger, faster, all the things you want. Um, and he's ready. I think he's really, really ready for, for the season. And I think under Manny Viveros, I think, uh, again, a, a little bit more freedom. I think 
that will also bode well for him to, you know, not be afraid to maybe try some more things. Um, not to say that he didn't try things last year, obviously he's very creative in the offensive zone, but uh, I think uh, under Manny Viveros, I think we're going to see Mazin Leslie be put up even more higher totals and it's hard to top 50 points as a defenseman, but again, he's back. He's bigger, faster, stronger. I'd be shocked if he didn't hit 50 points this season. Uh, if he plays the full season. Pretty good size on the blue line. Nobody under six feet tall, at least according again to the WHL's uh, roster, uh, the uh, the playoff roster for the Giants. And he said everybody's back pretty much except Dylan Anderson. So uh, that's one thing that the Giants have for them on the blue line. What else? Uh, how else would you describe that group back there? Well, it's interesting because it's yet to be determined. There is a lot of competition on the blue line. And bear with me as I try to go through this okay. and explain why. So you have two 20-year-olds on that blue line in Brendan Pent- uh, Pentecost and Carson Haynes. Then you acquired in the offseason another 20-year-old defenseman in Logan Hammett from the Brandon Wheat Kings. Mm. So now you're already at four with Leslie. Then you got two stud, what I think, people are, you said there's no household names really beyond Leslie. Well, a year from now, I bet you these two will be well-known names. And they are Colton Roberts and Merrick Howell. So Howell was acquired from the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's an 06. He's a first-round pick by the Warriors. And he is draft eligible this year, as is Colton Roberts. Colton Roberts played for the Giants last season, um, had 11 points, played 62 games, almost the full season. He and Howell looked great together in camp. They both have size. They both move well. They're not the most offensive guys, but I think good two-way guys. I think Howell is a little more offense than Roberts, but that could be a pair, and a pair that, again, they're 17-year-olds, but they already have a full season, each of them, under their belt. So that gets us to six. Well, then you have Will Subject, who played 49 games last season uh, for uh, the Giants, and he also put on a lot of muscle and he, you know, could be a, a good sixth or seventh defenseman, but you've also got a young kid in Colton Elaine, who's an 07 born who played seven games last season. He's a 16 year old and he very much, much looks like he uh, could, uh, you know, play some games. So I guess with, I guess that's eight defensemen mm-hmm. and you could of course start with eight, but it's too many twenties, right? Because yep. you have Haynes, you have Pentecost, you got, Hammett, that's three defensemen plus the goaltender, Mirwald, and then Skyler Bruce up front is your 520s right now. So a lot of competition on that blue line. I just, I really like what I saw from Roberts and Howell at camp. And I really think that with Leslie and uh, the 20s, whether it's, you know, Ames or Pentecost or Hammett, one of those guys would be in your top four, I think, with Leslie, Roberts, and Howell. And I think that's a pretty good top four. I think it'll be even better next year, right? When you get Leslie's in 05 with the two oh sixes and they're only going to be better next year. So it's really, it'll be really interesting to see how quickly Roberts and Howell can um, become not just good young players, but start to dominate a little bit more and really, really maybe turn into a, uh, you know, a top two defenseman as opposed to a top four. Cause I think that pairing in the future, and maybe as soon as this season, could be eating up a lot of minutes, uh, good solid minutes, providing them for head coach Manny Debros. Nathan, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention an, another defenseman at camp uh, in uh, Chloe Permarano, and I I don't know if she's still with uh, the group right now, as uh, exhibitions 
season gets underway or not, but how'd she look? She looked really good. Uh, she really did. I mean, it's clear she, she belongs. She is, uh, as Barkley Parnetta said, uh, when I talked to him right, right, uh, at the tail end of camp, um, made sure to emphasize she's not there because she's a girl. She is, was invited because she's a great hockey player, a hockey player. She belongs. Um, she, I saw, uh, from afar, I was watching the streams of her playing for Canada at the U 18s. Uh, in she got to go to Lake Placid and play some exhibition games against the United States. She was also in St. Catharines trying out for that U18 Canada team playing against uh, Finland in some exhibition. She, she was one of the best players and she, she's an underager. I mean, the U18 mm-hmm. team is mostly 06s. She's an 07, right? She's still 16. Uh, and she, they had the, uh, every year, the Giants have their annual to wrap up training camp, their uh, Howe versus Quinn, uh, Quinn versus Howe Legends Cup game. Uh, this year was a little bit younger. It was mostly 08s and 07s, and she was one of the one of the better players uh, in this scrimmage, going up against high uh, Giants draft picks. Like she was, she scored a goal, she had an assist, and in the scrimmages where she's also going up against all the vets, right? All the it's it's a mix. It was 03s, 04s, 05s. Mm-hmm. She looked very much like she belonged. She she skates so well, and on top of that. It's the hockey IQ, right? She understands the game. She knows how to, when she's going to need to be evasive and, and if four checkers are coming and how to dodge them. Um, she knows, you know, how to make or when to make that outlet pass. She, she just gets it. She understands it. And the other thing, and we, we spoke to her at camp, um, and what I heard from others is she also has that, I always want to get better. I always want to be working on something. Mentality, um, where she knows, um, it's just, it seems like she doesn't really take time off and time to rest. She's always shooting pucks or working out or doing something to get better. Uh, is I heard that from multiple people, that that's kind of her attitude. So, again, she's only 16. So we'll see where, where she goes from here. I believe the plan uh, is she's going to go back to, to RHA, to rink, sorry, Kelowna, where she played last year, U18. Last year she dominated that, that league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe she's going to go back there. So, yeah, it's there, there's some question, like, could she play in an exhibition game? She could. I, I don't know where the Giants are at and if she would get in a game or not. Um, of course, they'd have to sign her for her to play. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I was very impressed. This is my first time seeing her live. She's good. She's really, really good. Well, and it's interesting because she could play, she could get signed, and it's different rules for the guys and the girls. She could still, it wouldn't val- invalidate her uh, NCAA Correct. eligibility. So that, that'll that be really interesting. Yeah. It'd be a great story. It's never happened. Uh, we've seen female goaltenders play CHL games, uh, mm-hmm. in both uh, exhibition and regular season, but they've all been goaltenders, no uh, no skaters. So that would be quite the story. I, I hope it happens. I think it would be great. Yeah, no, I do too. And that, that's a good thing to point out is some people uh because with men's it, it does right if you yep. if you sign that and you play then it does ruin your ncaa eligibility it does not uh and i believe the reason is male and female is hockey in the ncaa is considered separate yep um yeah so that's that's a very important distinction to make if she played it would not ruin her because of course every school is going to be going after her uh trying to get her to come to their program and her brother also is playing at new hampshire Mm-hmm. Um, so not to say that's where she's going, but, uh, yeah, that would obviously, that's an important distinction to make. All right. Let's go to the forward group as we continue on here, uh, with uh, Nathan Cantor, the new voice of the Vancouver Giants. And you mentioned a bunch of the returning players, obviously the big name guys who were just drafted 
both of them by the Calgary Flames and Samuel Hanzik and Jaden <laughs> Lipinski. He said Skylar Bruce is back. Uh, so it's it's a good returning offensive core up front as well. And and another guy like Ty Halliburton, who was expected to get drafted and didn't, uh, another guy playing with some some extra motivation. What else do you like about this forward group? Yeah, so it's it's what you like those returning guys I think will all play key roles and and that's all big. Again, five of the top uh six scores uh for the Giants return. Uh they're all older, they're all, you know, stronger, bigger, faster. That's that's good in and of itself. Then you add Adam Tittleback. So Tittleback was drafted by uh, the Giants just this past summer in the CHL import draft, and he looks good. He uh, played for Czechia at the Helenka Gretzky Cup. He was actually one of their top players, uh, and he's he's an 06. So again, he's um, technically like Hansik came over last season, uh, and he right now Hansik is two years older than Tittleback. So Hansik came over. Of course, he's more of uh, he's a big kid, right? He's got that pro size, that pro frame. Um, so Tittleback is a little different where he's a year, not only a year younger than when Sam came over last year, uh, but he's also a bit, quite a bit smaller, <laughs> but the skill, the skill oozes. He, he's got high hockey IQ, um, but he's also got that, you know, he's going to Barclay Parnetta, the GM, when I spoke to him, he made a, he made a prediction and I said, we're going to hold him to it. And I, I agree with what he said, which is Adam Tittleback will be on the WHL top 10 with a highlight reel goal at some point this season. It will happen. He is just so creative, uh, so fun to watch. And he, like he's in the top six. It's going to happen. The question is, who is he going to have the most chemistry with? Do you yeah. put him with Hansik? Do you not put him with Hansik? Um, and that's, that's a good problem, a good uh, you know, question for the coaching staff is where to place those guys. But when you're looking at the top six, that could be the players we mentioned, which is you know Hansik, Lipinski, Bruce, Halliburta, um, and then you had Tittleback, and then you've got young guys as well, who we'll talk about in a second, who could even add to that. Like this is, there's there, this team should score some goals this season, and uh, we'll see if they spread it out or if they maybe you know go more of a top nine versus, or maybe they do go a top six, bottom six, right? Um, that definitely decisions to be made, but this team will score a lot more than last year. And again, the other thing is Hansik coming back, uh, assuming, you know, he's going to go to Flames training camp. But, of course, uh, the Giants are assuming he will come back. He should dominate. He really, really should. He had 56 points last year because he was hurt and only played 43 games. Um, the thing that surprised me was he only had 16 power play points. And, again, that power play for the Giants struggled. There wasn't a lot of help for Hansik on that power play. I think now with the addition of Tittleback, who I think we can assume will be on their first power play, um, I think those totals go up and uh, Hansik won't play a full season because they'll be at training camp and presumably at the world juniors as well. Even with missing, let's say 10 games, I think Hansik can easily hit 80 points and um, he's, he's going to be a lot for opposing teams to handle uh, just with the, the size. And he's got a really good shot. I, I remember there's a story from the summer. Uh, Jerome McGinley was talking to Hansik about his shot at Flames uh, rookie camp. Uh, in the summer. So he's uh Hansik will score a lot of goals and it will cause a lot of havoc for the opposition. And now you have a little bit more depth to help Hansik uh, this season as opposed to last season. And uh, you said there were some young guys who were looking to push their, them, their way up the depth chart. Yeah. So Cameron Schmidt, for those who haven't seen, it was funny. It resurfaced the other day. It was a goal from March 
uh, in uh, the CSSHL, uh, uh, a goal on a breakaway mm. uh, that was a wraparound. Right. I don't know if you happened to see that. I but, did. Uh, that was Cameron Sch- yeah, Cameron Schmidt playing for Rink Kelowna's U18 prep team. That was from a, a playoff game, I believe, against Edge School. Uh, so Schmidt is a first-rounder for the Giants, seventh overall, 2022. Last year, he got in a couple games. Again, those 15-year-olds can only play so many games. Uh, but uh, Schmidt did score uh, last season in his first game on the road. Um, he's small, but he is fast. And he is skilled and he has a really good shot and good around the net. And like this kid is, uh, I think, could have a fabulous true rookie season. Again, he only played three games last season um, and had a goal. But uh, he trained uh, hard this offseason in his home of Prince George. And he, I think, I mean... Rookie of the year is going to be tough because you got Gavin McKenna. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but um, I really think, at least as far as the division goes, he could be one of the best rookies uh, in the division for sure. He's just, he's he flies out there, um, and you can see the confidence um, versus what I understand last year. Right? You come in as a you only play a few games as a 15 year old. You're going to be a little bit nervous, but now he's got that flair. He's got that confidence. And I mean, come on to, to score on a breakaway with a wraparound, you got to have some confidence. Don't yeah. you? He's got a little bit of swagger. So uh, I think he will be, uh, be able to produce right away. And again, it'll be interesting to see where they slot him. He's a right shot. So I'm assuming they'll put him on the right wing. Um, and then the other one is Aaron Obabifo and Aaron played, uh, at Shattuck St. Mary's the past two seasons. So he was not allowed to come to camp last year, uh, but he is a, a late first-round pick by the Giants, same draft as Schmidt, 2022. And he is uh, got more size than Schmidt. Um, he, he's built. And again, he's only 16, uh, but he's also got skill. So he's kind of that power forward, uh, molding into a power forward. But again, I think as early as this year, he could put up some some good totals as a 16-year-old. So you get the smaller, faster uh, Schmidt to go along with a bigger, stronger over Bifo. And you got two rookies who I think both could have very good seasons. And then you add Jacob Oreskovic, who's another first-round pick uh, by the Giants. He could see some time this year. And then that blue liner I mentioned, Colton Elaine, who's also a 16-year-old. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of – the 07s, very, very good class from the Giants. Just two more questions for you, uh, Nathan. I, I guess what's the biggest question mark now that still has to be determined uh, before the start of the regular season or maybe if it gets decided by the regular season? I'm wondering if it's starting Netminder, if it is going to be Brett Mirwald, or how they finish the uh, the 20-year-old situation. Uh, which one is the bigger pressing concern in your opinion? Yeah, I think the 20s isn't pressing. You have a little bit of time to figure that out. Uh, and I think they're both related, right? Like what you do in goaltending, it, it, that impacts your 20 situation. What are you going to do, right? So uh, there, I think that is really the only question, right? Because um, up, up front, right, there's competition for sure. And I think that that's another question, I guess, is how many of these young guys will see regular time. And uh, the other thing is with some guys at camps like Hansik and Lipinski, that's a couple spots, right? More where um, I'm assuming those guys might not be back uh, for the beginning of the season. We'll see. Um, and a few other giants are also going to be headed to, to NHL camps as well. There's going to be a total of five 
uh, Giants away at NHL camps, and that that will be out shortly. Who the other guys are, but um, it'll be interesting to see uh, up front. You know how many of these 07 to 16 year olds uh, will become regulars, and then yeah, the the bigger thing is what happens with that 20 situation. Um, Again, I I think it's just you got three 20 year old defensemen, um, and that's kind of where the decisions I think are going to have to be made. Is, is who stays and, and what do you do with the other guys? Uh, can you find them a home somewhere else? Um, that's, I think, they're, they're not going to rush that decision. They're going to go as long as they can. But, of course, as you know, eventually uh, you got to get down. you got to get down to three. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the most pressing thing. But I don't think there's any real, um, other than that, big question marks for this team. I think it's just, again, excitement for a new coach. Uh, for uh, a youth movement where I, Bill Williams said it really well uh, when I was chatting with him uh, the other day, you know, the, the league is a lot about aging in and aging out. And a lot of it is, it's kind of a 19 and 20 year old league. And you saw that with, you know, Kamloops in Seattle and how many older guys and drafted guys they had. And I think they're now, of course, they're aging out. And I think the giants are aging in where they have a lot of good young 16 and 17 year olds. We'll see what they can do this year. But again, as I mentioned, it's it's building and building to next year and the year after, right? This Giants team uh, has so many good young players and they're just getting started. They're just aging in and it'll be exciting to see here what they can do uh, this season. Well, and that is the final question from a fan perspective. What what are reasonable expectations for this team? Where do you think the, the bar is set for what would be considered a successful season you're you're selling it pretty well i mean i'm thinking is this a team that can challenge for the divisional title this year or is that a little bit too lofty yeah i to be realistic that might be a little too lofty only because i think prince george is gonna have um i think right now you know most people would probably pencil them in as the best team in the bc division um but after that, I really don't know what to think, to be honest. I think Victoria will be a lot better than last year. I, I wouldn't say, I think right now on paper, the Giants are definitely ahead of the Royals. Uh, and then Cologne and Kamloops, right, are also, I don't think, favorites, but I don't think they're going to be bad either. So I think it's going to be, the, it'll be the race for second, okay. is my guess, uh, between Vancouver, Kelowna. And I don't know what to think of Kamloops because I don't know what the roster will really look like with returning guys. Uh, again, they lost so much and, and then in goal. And uh, I still also have to do more in-depth research with what these rosters of uh, my BC division foes will look like. Um, but uh, I, I think my, my preliminary guess would be, you know, Victoria probably still uh, that fifth team. And then it'll be uh, hopefully Vancouver battling it out for second uh, with the teams in the interior. But you know what? Uh, I always say, and this is not me, but uh, with junior hockey, you never know. I didn't come up with it, but I like to say it, and everyone kind of says it. You just don't know. Uh, you can make all the predictions you want, and it can all go to hell. And uh, that's kind of, I think, why, why it's so exciting. Is, right? You have an injury here, or someone comes back that you don't expect to come back. Uh, or, you know, a young player flourishes and you don't think that's going to happen, right? It's just there's so much at this point that we don't know. We can, you know, predict until we're blue in the face. And uh, whatever I put down for my one to five predictions, I guarantee you it would be wrong <laughs> uh, when the when season ends. That's, that would be my guarantee is that it won't be right. 
because uh, you just never really know. Well, Nathan, if you need a, a, a an update on the Kamloops Blazers, they were in the segment right before yours, so you can hear that this week, and Victoria also on the show this week, so you're going to get lots of uh, uh, pre-scouting this week's episode. And I really appreciate your time, Nathan. This was fun, uh, and uh, looking forward to, well, I guess... Not, I don't think the Giants come to Edmonton this year, so I guess uh, we, no. I won't see you this year, but uh, we'll cross paths, I'm sure, down the road. Yes, we will. Uh, very much looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on. There is Nathan Cantor, the new voice of the Vancouver Giants, and what do you think about what the Giants are going to do this year? Where do you see them finishing, not just in the BC Division, but maybe in the Western Conference playoff team last year? I expect there'll be a playoff team once again. And man, he's he's really got me thinking. If they can get a goaltender, I think, I, and that's not a a slight on Mirwald. He just hasn't been a number one goaltender in the league. He's twenty years old now, and that's pretty rare that you would lock up to a twenty year old goaltender who's never been a starter. So I think it's fair to expect that Vancouver will go out and try to find a netminder. And funny because we just had John Keane on, who made it very clear that Kamloops is shopping a goaltender. Although, would you trade? a goalie to a team that you're probably battling in the uh, positional standings with. So I'm not sure that Kamloops and Vancouver are trading partners, but hey, we've seen things happen. Pretty intriguing team. Uh, I know when uh, Samuel Honzik and the Giants rolled through Edmonton last year, wasn't a great game for him. It, it was just one of those games where you're not going to stand out every night, and he didn't uh, that night in Edmonton. But his numbers don't lie, and we'll see where he goes here in his second season. Uh, with the uh, with the Giants. Well, we go from the West Coast to Saskatoon as the Blades. What do they do for an encore after a fantastic season last year? Really exciting playoff run. Let's get in contact with Les Lazarek, the uh, longtime voice now, three decades worth, broadcasting games for the Saskatoon Blades. That's next, here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc. And the Blades have opened the scoring in Game 2 in Prince Albert's. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is The Pipeline Show. Sarah from Buford loves Wilhawk beef jerky. My husband is an expressive fan, prone to waving his arms about, which is unfortunate for those next to him. And the snacks. Do you know how hard it is to get salsa out of carpet? It was a miracle when I found Wilhawk beef jerky. No more crushed chips strewn about or toppled dips. A fistful of jerky can be waved about with little mess to clean up later. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. He fights like an old lady. We go from Vancouver to Saskatoon now in the uh, next segment of our team-by-team previews for the upcoming WHL season. The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. You have it shipped to you anywhere in Western Canada. 
As I mentioned, Saskatoon, our next stop. That would be the the mighty Saskatoon Blades. What a heck of a season for the Blades last year. Just fell short in the postseason, but what an exciting playoff run that was. Two thrill a minute, seven-game series against Regina, and then again against the Red Deer Rebels. And my estimation, probably just ran out of gas uh, against the Winnipeg Ice. But let's ask uh, the longtime voice of the Blades, Les Lazarek. Uh, Les, welcome back to the show. How are you? Gee, I am fine. It is wonderful to be back and chatting with you on the Pipeline show. It's always a, a treat to get a chance to be a part of this program. You guys do a phenomenal job of uh, pro- uh, propping up hockey at all levels. Of, that's not the National Hockey League. So great job on you, and I can only hope that I add to that job that you do so well. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and of course you do. When, you, when you're on, uh, I always appreciate the time that you take and your perspective you heard me mention or describe the playoffs as uh, kind of running out of gas at the end. I mean, a thrilling, emotional, long series against Regina, and then another one against the the Red Deer Rebels. Was it just too much to ask to, to amp it up again for another series against a, an even better team in Winnipeg? Emotionally, yes, and physically, yes. Yeah, uh, We'll give the Red Deer Rebels a ton of credit. They took it to the Saskatoon Blades physically, beat them up a little bit. The Blades lost a lot of players in that series and uh, were, were shorthanded. I mean, they ended up with uh, a young defenseman, Morgan Tastad, in the lineup uh, having to play against Winnipeg, uh, a very good, strong offensive team. And he only had played one regular season game in his career prior to that series. And here, all of a sudden, he's thrust into being one of the six defensemen uh, playing against Winnipeg in the, in the third round. And I actually accounted pretty well for himself. But, uh, yeah, it just was difficult to get going again against Winnipeg in that third round after playing 14 games in 26 days, and everything was basically come from behind. It wasn't like they could take their foot off the pedal. They, they put themselves into deep holes in both the series, falling behind 2 nothing to Regina, losing both games at home, falling behind in uh, game three in Regina, 3-1, to one, and then battling back who eventually beat uh, uh, Connor Bedard in the Pats in seven games, and then being behind 3 nothing in the series against Red Deer and behind 2 nothing in the first period in game four, and it looked like it was done then, and then yeah. battle all the way back to win in seven games, only the third time in league history that that sort of a deficit has been overcome in a playoff series. Yeah, uh, it was amazing postseason, really exciting hockey as well, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team has in store this year because they were – statistically the second best team in the conference last year and the team that finished ahead of them aren't in the conference anymore so uh sky's the limit here for the Saskatoon Blades this year let's get to know the uh, the team a bit because it's different than what we saw in the playoffs and uh, we'll mention the uh, 2002 born players who are obviously not back uh, as they age out that would be a pair of defensemen including uh, captain Aiden Delagorjandier and uh, Blake Gustafson Josh Piller also not back and I know there are some others as well. We talk, uh, We know Connor Roulette has already been traded to Spokane. Question mark with Jake Chase on. Uh, considering how much time he missed last year, do you think there's a, a possibility the Oilers send him back to the dub? That's a possibility. Uh, the 20-year-old situation here is going to be interesting mm-hmm. because as it stands right now, the Blades had seven at the end of last season, potential 20s coming into this year. They're down only to five. So they haven't even come close to rectifying that whole situation. Uh, the betting is, is that it's going to be the three W's that end up being the 20-year-olds, and that would be Trevor Wong, uh, Jaden Weens up front, and Charlie Wright on the back end, but mm-hmm. Jake Chason 
is attending Edmonton Oilers training camp. He did not come to the Blades training camp at all. He's going straight to the Oilers rookie camp. So his intention is not to be back. He would like to be, at the very worst, a Bakersfield Condor, a member of the uh, Oiler, of the Edmonton Oilers AHL affiliate. And then the fifth one is Spencer Chagru, Mr. Game 7, yeah. who had three goals in two Game 7s in the opening two rounds last year. Uh, he's kind of like a Swiss Army Knight, can play defense, which is what he really is, but he also filled in at center a lot of times. And uh, I know that he was invaluable to head coach Brendan Soddy and the staff here with the Blades. So those guys are still all in the mix as well. So that, that makes it a very interesting thing. And then when you talk about the guys who are no longer with the team, you mentioned Delegar Jandier, which every other broadcaster in the league is thrilled to pieces, along with <laughs> PA announcers around the league, are thrilled to pieces that he is no longer with the team. Uh, Blake Gustafson, who just the other day signed on with the University of Alberta, and Josh Pillar, no longer with the team. They were the 2002s from last year. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Connor Electrate to Spokane. Justin Lees was the other one of those 2003 borns. He got dealt to Victoria in the offseason. Thomas Zichka, one of the Blades' imports on defense, is now a Swift Current Bronco. And Ethan Chadwick, who along with Austin Elliott formed yeah. that goaltending tandem that went back and forth for the first half of the season, alternating, and then eventually they you know, played a couple of games in a row each of them. And uh, Ethan Chadwick got dealt to Everett in the offseason. So that's uh, really the guys that were listed on the roster in the playoffs. And let me add in Tate Humphreys a young man who was actually released by the Blades and now is in the training camp of the Everett Silvertips as well. So those are the guys that are no longer with the team. Sounds like they've got a lot of guys gone, but they actually have quite a good core coming back. All right, well, let's get to know these players who are coming back. We'll start in net. Austin Elliott, the the returning guy who played a ton last year. I'm assuming he is the, the bona fide number one, but is there somebody else uh, still with the team right now after ex- after camp and getting into the exhibition schedule that uh, is going to push him. I don't know that Evan Gardner will be expected to push him, but Evan Gardner is definitely going to be the backup goaltender. As okay. it stands right now, those are going to be the two guys. Austin Elliott, 19-year-old, who was the second-team East Division All-Star last year, a 2.20 goals against average in 37 games last season. And uh, he and Ethan Chadwick did a tremendous job, despite nobody really be claiming that number one job. And even through the playoffs, they both got their share of time. But Austin Elliott ends up being the one because the decision was made. Can we do this again with two 19-year-olds, both of whom are deserving to be starters? And they decided no dealt off Chadwick to uh, Everett and keeping Austin Elliott, and uh, he's going to be the number one. He's not going to be here, though, on opening night. That's the crazy thing. Uh, He's been invited to the Carolina Hurricanes, not just their rookie camp, but their main camp as well. Wow. And here's where you start getting people upset with the fact that the WHL starts their season early and ahead of the National Hockey League still being in essentially training camps and just getting started exhibition play, your regular season is you know, staggered in terms of its start time. So uh, Austin Elliott likely will not be a member of the Blades, will not be back from Carolina's main camp when they play their first game on September 23rd in Regina against the Pats. So it'll be a 17-year-old raw rookie in Evan Gardner in goal for game number one, backed up by Riley Budd, who is a 15-year-old just drafted in the third round this past year in the prospects draft for the Blades. Um, so that's that's the goaltending situation. Wow, that's uh, going to be exciting to watch uh, opening weekend. Who did the Blades uh, start the season off with? Is it the arch rival PA Raiders? 
Uh, on the home opener on the Sunday, the 24th is against Prince Albert here at Sastel Center. Mm-hmm. But on Saturday, the 23rd, they open in Regina and the, the, the home and homes are gone in the, in the East division to start the year because of Winnipeg, not being in the division anymore, not being in the conference. Right. Uh, you can do that with your central division, six teams. You can have home and homes to start the year, but with five teams, it doesn't really work out that way. So, the Blades are playing two different opponents. Prince Albert's playing two different opponents. And uh, and that's the story for all five teams. They're playing different opponents on opening weekend. It takes three days to get through that. I didn't notice that uh, when I was looking at the schedule. You're right. Uh, that does complicate things, not having Winnipeg uh, in the uh, the conference and the division anymore. Let's go to the Blue Liners. And uh, again, question mark with uh, which 20-year-old, if uh, the 20s will come from the Blue Line. But Charlie Wright and Spencer Chagru. Uh, lead sort of the uh, the defensive core from a veteran perspective, but there's lots of talent here. Tanner Molendyke is a really great player, and uh, I just like the way he evolved over the course of last season, taking on more offensive responsibility. And I don't, I'm trying to remember who it was who told me that he went to the coaching staff and said, "I'm capable of doing more. Give me the opportunity." I think it was head coach Brennan Sonny who told me that, which is that's remarkable. And not only did he get the green light, but then he took the uh, the opportunity and ran with it. Yeah, he really did, and ended up at 37 points, including nine goals last year, and another seven points, including three goals in the 18 play in the 18 game playoff run. So he's definitely got the capability. His skating he is just world class, yeah. elite, especially at this level for for his age group. He is an elite skater, and that's what allows him to be a pretty darn good defenseman. He's still learning uh, a lot about how to properly play defense, but he's. He's a fast uh, study, and he's been able to improve by leaps and bounds. He had the great uh, advantage of being also able to play in the uh, in the Regina bubble back in 2021 and played in almost all the games there back then as a 15-year-old. And you could see the talent there, but Nashville obviously saw it. They made him the 24th pick overall. He'll be going to Nashville's camp. Uh, I assume they'll have him at their main training camp as well. So, his availability for opening weekend is likely in question. And right. I feel badly already for this, uh, Guy, but I mentioned Austin Elliott, and I think I said Carolina is the camp he's going to. No, it's not. He's going to Nashville's camp. And not just, okay. again, rookie camp, but main camp as well. So make that correction in my mind right away. Austin Elliott going to Nashville, not to Carolina, because the guy going to Carolina is 20-year-old Charlie Wright. He's going to their rookie camp, uh, and he hopes to be able to go to a main camp there as well. So uh, we'll see. That's that's two big guys. That's probably their top defense pairing that may or may not be available on opening weekend. Oh, well, that's great to, to hear for Charlie Wright. I think he was at Oilers camp last year, if I, if I remember correctly. He was. And uh, I'm still a little bit surprised that he wasn't drafted. He's got some ability and uh, playing for a contract this year, so he's going to be a motivated fella. Uh, who else on the uh, defensive group? Was a standout the, during training camp, and that you're looking to take a bigger step here this season. Well, a veteran in Ben Saunderson will be back as a 19 year old. He'll be going into his fourth year, uh, defensive style defense. I think he's got one career goal in uh, in three years with the team. Samuel Barsik was their import draft pick this year in the first round out of Slovakia. Big kid, six two, hundred ninety two pounds. Uh, the scouting reports all say that he is very good defensively. He's a defensive style, shutdown style defenseman. That's good. The Blades can use that. Uh, losing guy, especially a guy like uh, Blake Gustafson, who was tremendous in that role mm. with the Blades last season. Tanner Mullendike and Charlie Wright will be the offensive guys when they're available. Uh, Saunderson and Barsic will be the shutdown pair, I'd imagine. Uh, after that, it 
thins out by experience quite rapidly. Uh, Spencer Chagru, as I mentioned, is a 20-year-old, but if Wong, Weens, and Wright are the 320s, then there's no more room in the inn for Spencer Chagru, so mm-hmm. he would probably end up being elsewhere. Uh, he's likely going to be here, there, here though, for opening weekend because they're going to need a third 20 in all, the, in all likelihood. Then you get to Morgan Tastat, who I mentioned earlier on, a young kid, 17 years old, from Lorburn, Saskatchewan, who came up late in the year. They're hoping that he'll be able to step in. Fraser Leonard is a young defenseman that they had uh, late in the season and uh, around. He's from Calgary, a fourth-round pick in the 2021 Prospects draft. Uh, more of a defensive-style defenseman, although he did score two goals in last year's opening preseason game against Prince Albert, which shocked everybody. Braden Klimke is a 16-year-old that they, they like. Isaac Pohl, their first-round pick in the 2022 uh, Prospects draft, is also still on the roster. So, they do have some guys, but the feeling is, is that eventually the Blades are probably going to be looking to add and augment their defensive core with a veteran player or two, looking at maybe a 2004 or 2005 player if they can swing that type of a deal. And Lord knows, Colin Priestner is not afraid to make a trade. Well, that's for sure. Les Lazdruck, the voice of the Blades, <laughs> my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we uh, get set for the upcoming season uh, by looking at the Blades. Now, with the forward group, uh, we've already mentioned Trevor Wong and Jaden Weens a lot. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there might be a bit of a clerical error here on the WHL's website, but I, I don't see Brandon Lazowski or Igor Sidorov listed uh, on the team's uh, preseason uh, roster page. What's the story there? Now, Lazowski is left. Actually, he's leaving. By the time you we, we air this, he, it, 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 he will be in Toronto's uh, rookie camp. He was at training camp okay. with the Blades. Uh, Cedarop, on the other hand, was not. He did. He's bypassing the Blades training camp and preseason and heading off to Anaheim's camp. He was a third-round pick of the Ducks this past year. So uh, Igor Cedarop is going to be at Anaheim's camp. He desperately wants to be a National Hockey Leaguer this year. I wouldn't bet against a guy like that with that kind of determination, 40-goal score. His big issue, though, is that drafted here in North America, he either plays in Anaheim or he plays in Saskatoon. So mm. if the Ducks don't have any room for him, then he's back here. And if he comes back along with Wong and Lazowski, well, there's your number one line from last season returning to the team intact. Uh, that's a heck of a first line to have at the WHL level for sure. Uh, and then you got uh, the guys like Weens and Waterroot and, and, and so on. This is still a pretty deep forward group despite the losses from last year's team. Who else? Maybe there were guys who were third or fourth liners suddenly into your middle six and potentially even uh, more than that, who takes a bigger step this year? Well, Tyler Parr is a guy who lo- who missed, what, 41 games due to a shoulder injury last season. Uh, it happened, you know, about 20 games into the year, and uh, uh, he lost the rest of his season. And uh, actually, it happened, what, 16 or 11 games into the year, I should say, and he, and he lost the rest of the season and then came back for round two of the playoffs, and uh, it was a great addition to have. Very smart young player from uh, just outside of Winnipeg. He's 18 this year. He's a 2005-born, and the Blades are blessed to have some pretty good 2005-born forwards. Uh, Lucas Hansen is a former second-round pick. Jordan Keller, who really stepped up last year when they needed him. The Blades had 193 games, uh, man games worth of injuries last year, and a lot of it was to guys like Weens and and uh, Josh Pillar up front uh, along the center ice area and Jordan Keller had to step up and uh, he had 13 goals and 30 points in 66 games last year. So his 
possibility of moving up and being a much more productive player offensively is definitely there. You add in Misha Volotovsky and Roman Calvert are both 18 years old this year. Uh, Smith Redman was a 16-year-old rookie who didn't do a whole bunch last year because he was like a 13th forward more often than not, Mm -hmm. but he'll be at an opportunity this year. And Zach Moore, who was their top pick in the uh, 2021 prospects draft, comes in as a 17-year-old this year and uh, will probably make up. And and that would be really four forward lines right there if you keep all those guys. However, (laughs) as you know, there are young kids that come along that are going to push players that are already on the roster and expecting to be there. And I think of one right away in Lachlan Tedorenko. If that last name sounds familiar from a few years back, it should. His dad, Joey, of course, played in the Western Hockey League, played professional hockey as a defenseman. This kid, Lachlan, is a good-looking 16-year-old rookie forward, and he may very well crack this lineup this season. Interesting. All right. And is there uh, Hudson Kibblewhite still with the team right now, too? Hudson Kibblewhite is still here, and he is listed on the roster. Uh, uh, He's number five on the center uh, depth chart that I see, but uh, he could very well be one of the guys pushing some of those 17- and or 18-year-old players uh, for, for a spot on the team. Uh, well, we we always talk about uh, question marks coming into training camp and how you're sort of expecting things, or maybe you have questions, how is this going to play out, whatever. Now that training camp is done, you get into exhibition, is there still a big question mark for you that you're still waiting to see how it plays out? I'm I'm guessing it's got to be around the 20-year-olds. That's such a, uh, a wild card right now for Saskatoon. Yeah, the 20-year-old situation is is one. And the second one, I think, is is the is the defense core uh, and and the experience and the depth of, the, of that defense core. Uh, certainly, when you look at when you get them all back together, Mullendike, Wright, Saunderson, and you add in Barsic, and you hope that he's able to show what he's capable of. I mean, he's played world under 18s for Slovakia, so you like to believe that he would be able to step in and, and be a reliable top four performer. Mm-hmm. If he can't handle it, though, then you maybe have to look again at that possibility of making a deal to get an experienced WHL blue liner in a 2004 or 2005 player. Uh, that that becomes a possibility. The 20-year-old situation, yeah. I mean, you expect, like I say, the the four, the the three W's, Wong, Weens, and and Wright, to be the guys. But what happens when Jake Chason comes back? If he comes back from right. Edmonton's uh, camp or or Bakersfield's camp, uh, that creates a whole new set of uh, problems for the Blades as well. Good problems, I would suggest, but problems nonetheless. I would agree. Uh, and lastly, from a fan perspective, where should they set the bar for expectations for this club? I mean, it finished so high last year. There's a lot of returning players. I don't know if it's fair to expect them to be contending for the conference again, or maybe they are because, you know, Red Deer is going to be up there, I think, and Moose Jaw, but I don't know that Saskatoon's taking a big step back. Where do you expect this team to be? Well, I know that within the walls of Sastel Center, within the walls of the Blades offices, the expectation is to do what they did last year and maybe more. Uh, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be 48 wins and 101 points. But I think the expectation is based on the experience they gained getting to the third round last year for the Mm -hmm. first time since 1994, that everybody that's coming back knows what to expect, knows what they need to do in order to take the next step. The belief here is, is that this is going to be better than last year. And boy, I'll tell you, if it ends up being better than last year, that would just be phenomenal news. And I think a lot of folks around the city have actually bought into that. 
last year's end of the season gee, was was really the perfect storm when you get right down to it. They had their last two home games against Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats <laughs> and sold out Sastel Center. That's no mean feat. That's 14,780-some-odd fans yeah. worth for those two games. And then you get to play them in the playoffs, and you get four home playoff games and a seven-game series and a come-from-behind, and you get another average 12, 13,000 a game out of that. Then you get Red Deer, and you come back from behind, and it just set the city on its ear, and the people were just thrilled to pieces that they got the chance to go to a hockey game in Saskatoon at the beginning of May. It hadn't been done in a long time. So uh, I, I really think that there's an unbridled optimism amongst not only the, the players and the team and the personnel within the front office, but I even hear it and see it uh, on the street talking with people that I run into at the grocery store or wherever the case may be. There's definitely that thought that, ooh, this is going to be a lot of fun this year. This team might do something. So the expectations are high. They're very high here. But it's going to be some hard work to do it because you said Moose Jaw, uh, definitely a team to watch out for. Red Deer, I think, is definitely a team to watch out for. Uh, I would throw Swift Current and Medicine Hat into that mix, I think, should be significantly better. So there's nothing going to be easy about this. Just because Winnipeg's out of the conference and out of the division doesn't mean the Saskatoon Blades can waltz anymore. They they still have to work for it in order to get to where they want to be. Well, I was so happy for Blades fans and uh, you know people with the organization, but I was really happy for you, Les. You've been there for a long time calling games for this team. Uh, I know you've been to the Memorial Cup as a, as the team was hosting, but what's the furthest you have been in the playoffs uh, with the Blades? Was last year the deepest? Have you been to a final? That was the deepest last year, Guy. 29 years it took. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to say I'm not the jinx anymore. Yeah. Never, not that I ever believed I was, but a lot of people would look at it and go, you know what? Last time the Blades were in the Eastern Conference Final was in 1994, just before you showed up. And it is just before I showed up. I started doing Blades games in the fall of 1994, and it's been not that great of a ride. I mean, I've been through seven win seasons and a lot of first round exits and a lot of not even making the playoffs situation. So last year was great fun for, for me as well, but I'm happiest for the franchise and for the fans to be able to get to see what they did. And I'm hopeful that there is that opportunity for them to go that much further in this, my 30th season and this, the 60th season of blades franchise history Saskatoon actually were the Blades for the first two years that they came to be as an SJHL team in 1964 through 66 before Major Junior Hockey came onto the map in Western Canada in 1966. Les, this has been fantastic. Great to catch up again. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you and the team as you uh, come through Edmonton this season. We'll be there on October the 11th. Looking forward to seeing you and Andrew and uh, and the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun uh, throughout the year, I'm sure, and I look forward to seeing you again. That was Les Lazaruk with the look at the Saskatoon Blades, who I think everybody probably expects them to be in that running for the top end of the Eastern Conference. I think it's a, a pretty good race right now, at least on paper. Red Deer, Saskatoon, Moose Jaw, put those three in a hat, shake it up, pull a team out. They might be the favorite, but I think those three clubs, maybe, I don't know if it's a big separation, I don't know if it's a big gap to the rest of the pack, but I think most people would suggest that those are the three teams uh, ahead of the field at the moment. Saskatoon's going to be a good team. I understand about Igor Sidorov not going to Saskatoon camp and instead focusing on NHL camp for now. I don't think he's sticking in the NHL as a 19-year-old. What was he, a third, fourth-round draft pick? 
I know the Ducks were not a good team, but I don't know that a 19-year-old is going to step right in. I don't know from an Anaheim perspective if, if that's the best asset management. I think you want him to come back and play in Saskatoon on a contending team and have a really impactful year. But from the player's perspective, hey, you go to camp, you play a couple exhibition games for Saskatoon, you get injured, that kind of screws you. So save it for NHL camp. I get it. I just hope for Saskatoon's sake that if and when he's sent back, he's got the right frame of mind and he's not, you know, sometimes some players come back and they have a bit of NHL hangover and it takes them a while to readjust to the WHL and get focused. Hopefully that's not the case for Igor Sidorov. Heading back to British Columbia now, we go all the way to the uh, most Western-based franchise in the Western Hockey League. That would be the Victoria Royals there on Vancouver Island. Marlon Martins is the play-by-play voice, and he joins me next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Will Hawk Beef Jerky. We need this win, you know. we got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Come on, let's start making a lot of win. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Hey, this is Dave Hansen of the Hansen Brothers from the movie Slapshot. I'm ready to put on a foil, but not drink any of that stinking red bear as I sit down and listen to the Pipeline Show with my good buddy, E. Just a little bit south of Saskatoon. Take my guitar for and room. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I can't sugarcoat this. We're at threat level midnight. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com and they will ship it to you any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. All right, we continue with our look ahead to the upcoming WHL season with the Victoria Royals and longtime play-by-play voice of the uh, Royals is Marlon Martins. Marlon, how long have you been uh, broadcasting the games for the uh, for the Royals now? Uh, since their inception back in 2011, so I think this is year going into year 13. Nice. Well, beautiful place to to live in Canada for those who have never been to Victoria. Man, what a what a city. No, there's no winter in Victoria. You guys are spoiled. No, it's just 6 months of uh of uh fall and spring weather, but uh yeah. other than that, things are green and uh got to mow the lawn a lot sooner than you guys out in Alberta there. So there's that. That's true, and you don't have to shovel your driveway <laughs> ever, which is uh... <laughs> No, we don't don't shovel rain out here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Well, uh, th- this team uh, missed the playoffs last year. We were just talking about it off the air. And midway through the season, things were looking fairly promising. And then injuries and a lengthy losing streak just kind of uh, took the team out of out of contention. But there were some positives to uh, to take out of last season, right? 
Absolutely. Always. Uh, what, what happens is when you have your veterans out, that means young guys have to step up and to get to a play in positions that normally maybe a 16, 17 or 18 year old wouldn't. And we definitely saw the growth and the rise of the, the young defensemen, Kalen Parker, Justin Kipke, Austin Zemlak and Nate Miskey. These guys were counted on a, a lot and they got to play a lot of minutes and now it's, it's really going to be uh, paying dividends. So that's, that's one aspect of it. And also able to have uh, younger guys like Tate and Trembecki had a resurgence in his career. And uh, well, just as a 17 year old, but uh, he was able to really get his career kickstarted here in Victoria after trade from, from Brandon. So just stories like that with young guys getting opportunity and uh, now it's paying dividends. All right. Well, uh, no changes behind the bench. I know there's some new new blood and uh, coming to the organization from outside, but no nobody different on the bench, right? Uh, no, not on the bench. No, uh, Dan Price, the head coach, and also uh, Morgan Klim- Klimchuk as the assistant coach. So, um, staff wise, with the players, that's that's what it is. All right. But with the Winnipeg Ice no longer uh, a franchise, they move to Wenatchee. Uh, you get James Patrick. You get Jake Heisinger. What do those two guys bring to an organization? Well, they uh, they announced uh, Joey Poljanowski as uh, the VP of Hockey Operations uh, back on uh, the 6th, uh, and effective as of July 1st. I mean, uh, him and along with Jake Heisinger, who's the uh, now associate GM with his primary focus on scouting and, and player development. I mean, he spent six years with Win- Winnipeg, and it's all just about this pipeline to the NHL, you know, um, having players develop and making the Victoria Royals a team that uh, is a conduit to the NHL. And so Jake's dad is also the son of uh, Craig Heisinger, who's the assistant GM and director of hockey ops for the Winnipeg Jets and the GM of the Manitoba Moose of the American Hockey League. Heisinger, of course, six seasons with the ice and, again, scouted first-round NHL draft picks. Matthew Savoy, Connor Geeky, Carson Lambos, Zach Benson, right? So you bring in a guy of his caliber and also with Joey Poljanowski, uh, manager of hockey operations with the NHL's Arizona Coyotes. And he's been in the NHL since 2019. He also brings with him uh, winning a Memorial Cup, uh, working with the London Knights. Uh, he's had key roles with Hockey Canada, the Toronto Maple Leafs, over 15 years. So that's what uh, those two bring in. And then also with the uh, addition of uh, hiring James Patrick as the new director of player development. I mean, 1,300 games in the NHL, let alone all the success he's had uh, coaching with the Winnipeg Ice, and also, uh, you know, the strong NHL connection to the Buffalo Sabres. So you bring in some staff like that and really just trying to develop and get players to the NHL and make Victoria uh, put them on the map as a destination and a place where players will want to come as they know that they have a great chance of success and becoming pros. All right, well, let's see who has come to camp, and uh, as we get into the exhibition season, who is still with the Royals. And we'll begin by mentioning the uh, 2 players who ended the year in Victoria, who obviously are too old now to play in the league. So we say goodbye to Riley Gannon and uh, Jake Poole and Alex Thacker. Anyone else from uh, the team that finished the year off in Victoria that is not back again this year? Well, their import, uh, Marcus Almquist, uh, signed in Denmark, so uh, 
he won't be returning. He'd also be a two-spotter. Um, uh, Luke Rybinski, I believe, is going junior A. And uh, they traded Teague Patton to the Everett Silver Tips. He would have been a 20-year-old with the group. And also 19-year-old defenseman Jason Spazaka, a Royals former first-rounder, uh, on the move to uh, Calgary and expected to play some uh, big minutes there for the Hitmen. So those are the uh, other players that are not returning. Okay, well, let's start in net. And uh, you mentioned uh, the acquisition of Braden Holt for the uh, the Royals uh, at the trade deadline last year. And I imagine he is the, uh, the number one guy going into the season. But uh, who else is still around the team right now that's going to push him? Well, that's just the interesting battle right now. And one of the big question marks is who is going to be uh, Braden Holt's backup. Holt, by the way, has really come in. He's put in the work in the off season. He is so focused. Uh, what a leader when he speaks. And then when you see him on the ice, by the way, he's just so dialed in. He's just letting the game come to him now. And he's just, uh, just so in control. And it's really exciting to have a 20 year old netminder like that. But the backup battle right now for me lies between incumbent, uh, Nicholas Cristiano, who the Royals acquired while when Palmer was, uh, out. Last year, Cristiano was with the Kelowna Rockets organization. He was playing junior A at the time, and he came in, and he's a, a, a netminder from Langley and who's such a student of the game, and he has been working very hard in the off season as well. He's really athletic, explosive, true student of the game. I asked him, well, what have you been watching on Netflix or binging on shows? And he's like, oh, no, I'm watching other goalies. I'm watching highlights. I'm visualizing. Like, he is so dialed in. And so it looks like he's put in – a bit of work over the uh, off season as well, and uh, he's coming in as a, a 19-year-old netminder. And the the uh, other player, the netminder that's uh, really um, giving him some competition would be not yet turned 17, uh, but will in November. Uh, Jaden Krause. He's a Royal draft pick. He's a big netminder. Uh, he's grown in the off season. He's had a really good camp as well. Um, he's also showcasing more experience uh he played a bit in the uh, western hockey league last year a lot of maturity he's processing the game at a better rate he's got that size his rebound control he's letting the game come to him so it was quite the battle last night we got to see both of them in the uh, intra-squad game go toe-to-toe uh cristiano and didn't get that many shots. He only let in one goal. And Krause, he saw 20 pucks in 30 minutes, and uh, he stopped 19 of them. So uh, they have a tough decision to make. I honestly think that they're going to have to roll with three goaltenders for a while till that sorts itself out. Well, kind of a good problem, though, right? You want guys who are uh, capable of playing and also pushing uh, for that uh, that playing time. So it's good that you have healthy competition like that. Oh, you need that. Absolutely. And there's another netminder that stood out last night in, uh, Nathan Preston, six foot three goaltender, uh, and 18 year old out of Penticton. And he really impressed, just confident, challenging, took up a lot of net economy of movement. It might even be a fourth goaltender lurking around. So uh, you need to have that. You always want to, um, have players realize that it needs to be earned and not given. Marlon Martins, the voice of the Victoria Royals, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, tell me about the defensive grouping for uh, Victoria, guys who are still with the team as we get into the exhibition season. Who who leads this group? Well, it's really exciting on the back end because they return pretty much everybody. I mean, well, I guess it's the person who leads the group and the question mark is around 20-year-old uh, Captain Gannon LaRock. Mm-hmm. He's a signed prospect of the San Jose Sharks. He p- only played four games all of last season, uh, recovering. 
and he put up five points in those four games. He uh, also, you know, has has uh, scored at, at the pro level. He's played for the Barracuda. He's only been he's only played ninety games of Western Hockey League action. So there is a chance that he is returned as a twenty year old to Victoria, but strong possibility that he turns pro again being signed Mm -hmm. so he would be the leader that way of course the captain of the team so he's a 20 year old defenseman and then in behind him it is Caleb Parker and Justin Kipke both now NHL drafted and uh, then the next pairing could see Austin Zemlak Royals first rounder boy has he bulked up Uh, he is so strong and uh, he's he's just uh, got the hardest shot on the team, and then the big, tall, and also looks like he put on some muscle. Nate Miskey is going to be attending NHL camp. So there's a pairing there. We have Ryan Spizaka returning. Uh, he brings some grit and uh, and some experience as well as a 19-year-old. And that could round out a very a strong six right there for Victoria. And a lot of size. Everybody that you just mentioned is at least six foot tall and probably bigger than that because a couple of those guys were young last year. Um, so there's a lot of beef on the on the blue line for Victoria. Do do you think that's by design? Do they just want to have a very sizable and, and uh, strong uh, blue line? Uh, tough to get to the net when you have that much uh, size to get through. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, big and strong. And now that they're older, like the Kipke and Miski are now 18 year olds. And remember, they came in; they were already six two, six three when they were youngsters. So <laughs> they are big. And then Zemlak, of course, is very strong on top of it all. And uh, what we're also excited about is uh, a guy like Seth Fryer, who came up and, and played with the team last year. He's a, he'll now be a 17 year old, but he's six foot six, and he's growing into his frame. Oh. And then, of course, they're they're uh, they have a, a couple of 08s, uh, 15-year-olds that are six foot three defensemen, and 190 and 180, and and so it's um, it's really exciting for the future. And obviously, it is by design because they're drafting him that big. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll watch for that as see how it develops over the course of the year, and I guess the next few years uh, with Victoria. Uh, when it comes to the, uh, the forwards and with the, the three guys that we mentioned at the start who aren't back in Thacker, Poole and Gannon, um, that's a big chunk of the offensive depth up front and, uh, the, uh, the offensive, uh, production. Uh, now who is the, uh, the group or the, maybe two or three guys? Is it going to be offense by committee or who do you expect to kind of lead the way here offensively for, uh, the, uh, the Royals? Well, they also lose Teague Patton right in that trade, so they are now without their top four returning scorers, leaving Kalen Parker now mm-hmm. actually being the one who uh, would be the leading returning scorer. But I think the offense, it's going to be going through Braden Sherman. Yep. Uh, he scored at a three-quarter point uh, per game clip last year, and that was battling uh, injury and adversity that way. He didn't play the full season, but when he was on the team, the team was scoring. They're productive. I mean, he didn't have many power play points either. That was a lot of even strength. So if... Um, I think you add some more special teams for Braden Sherman, and there's going to be a huge uptick in that department with him. He also wins over 50% of his face-offs. He's going to see, you know, ice time in all situations. And uh, so it's it's the Braden Sherman show. That's that's where I'm hinging it all on. We also have uh, returning 19-year-old Tanner Scott. He looks so explosive. He's put in a lot of uh, leg work. He was already fast before, but in scrimmage and in, in camp, he's just, 
he's taken off on people. They can't catch him, and uh, he's also finishing going to the net. So I see Tanner Scott. He only produced at a half a point per game last season, but now as a 19-year-old, he knows that it's, it's his year to shine. We have uh, Robin Saposhek, an import player who came over after playing for uh, Czechia at the World Juniors and finished the season with the Royals, and he was just telling me how excited he is about just now being able to come to camp and have the full season being integrated, now being north used to the North American ice surface and everything. He's a very defensive uh, centerman, but at times when he decides to take the puck to the net or deke somebody out, he shows case that he has those hands. And so I think Rob Sposhek is going to add another element of offense this year. And uh, of course, Tatum Trembeck, he's looked dynamite in camp. So uh, he's been producing at three points in the inter-squad game to lead everybody in that department. I know it's just playing against each other and a lot of 15 and 16 year olds, but you have to stand out. And uh, Tayden Trembeck, he definitely did that. So I like to see that's where a lot of the offense is going to come from. And of course, as I mentioned, Kalen Parker, returning leading scorer. So mm-hmm. you got Parker, and uh, and we know what Justin Kipke can do. He can uh, he can score goals, and he can get around you from the point, and he can pick corners. So I think a lot of power play uh, points are going to be piled up, and Parker and Kipke, I think, are going to. And Zemlak, too, with his big shot from the back end. So I think it's going to be a combination of the forwards I mentioned and also the the defense really helping out with the offense. Hard to predict sometimes what you get or what you will get with an import player, but uh, the Royals have a new one from Norway as well in Casper Evanson, who was a point-per-game player in the league he played in back in Norway last year. Uh, what have you seen from him so far in camp? Well, first... Uh, I have to mention that he's not going with that last name, and he's going with Hogan, H-A-U-G-N. So it's Casper Hogan, and uh, I only found that out last night. But uh, that's what we're going with now, so it's taken a little adjustment for me, but Hogan. And he is uh, a stockier player, uh, 5'7", but 168. Mm. So... And he can move on, move along the ice too. I just see a lot of maturity. You can tell right away that he's he's veteran out there. Uh, just head up all the time, quick movements, knows where to be on the ice. He's he can dish the puck. He can finish. You know, it's uh, he's definitely going to fit in very nicely here with Victoria and defensively too. And he he was rubbing guys out along the walls. He's hard to knock off the puck. He can shield it really well. You know, when you're that stocky, he can just his backside in your in your grill and you're not going to be able to get it off of him so i just really like his playmaking ability and, and he's got some finish too so i think uh he'll fit in really nicely there so yeah there's another guy that uh, we're hoping that can really add to the uh, the offense but kind of unknown until we get into some real games marlin if if a team is looking for offense maybe from an unexpected source maybe there's a, a young rookie coming to town this year that can force his way up the up the depth chart and and provide some of that offensive spark. Is there a guy like that for, for the Royals and their fans to watch for? Oh, my gosh, yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Uh, the Royals' highest ever prospect selection at number three a year ago, Cole Reshny, is a name that uh, you and people in the Western Hockey League are going to be hearing a lot about over the next uh, three, four years here in the Western Hockey League. Came up, played four games last year as a 15-year-old, scored his first goal. He's dynamic, playmaker, finisher, good skater, high hockey IQ. Uh, last year with the Saskatoon Blazers, 65 points in 34 games. And then in the playoffs as well, 17 points in 11 games in the Saskatchewan Hockey League playoffs. So he was top four tournament all-star at the TELUS Cup. Silver medal winner for Team Saskatchewan at the Canada Winter Games. Uh, not only named Rookie of the Year and a first-team all-star, 
he was Rookie of the Year honors with the uh, Canadian U-Triple-A Hockey League. So a real standout. He really shone during Royals training camp. And, you know, he uh, he's going to be given every opportunity to provide offense and play regular minutes here with the club as a 16-year-old. Very excited. The brass fans, everybody, he, he bring them out of the seats during games. He can make moves. A real exciting player to watch. All right. Well, we'll watch for him. Big numbers last year in Saskatoon, as you mentioned, and the year before that at NAX here in Edmonton. 92 points in 25 games. That is ridiculous. Those look like, I don't know, video game numbers. <laughs> Absolutely. He, he might be the Royals' cheat code over the next few years. Is there a question mark that's still to be answered here as we've gotten through camp and get into the exhibition season and maybe it doesn't get uh, solved before the, the start of the regular season? But is there an area that you're still wondering how it's all going to play out? Maybe it's defensive pairings or, or you mentioned the backup goaltender or... Uh, the groupings up front. Uh, what's still to be determined uh, that you're looking to see how it works out? Yeah, we've really actually covered it with uh, the Gannon LaRock being the biggest question mark right now. I mean, it's your captain. He's right. 20 year old. He'd be your, your leader on defense. Will he be back? Um, and then the backup net mining situation that could take a little while for that to resolve itself. And also just looking at the 17 year old group uh, of players, maybe they want to have a few more there or not. They don't have many in that department right now, but the Victoria Royals are a bit more of a veteran team. So, uh, you know, maybe they're just uh, going to go heavy with the 17 and and 18 year olds. And from a fan perspective, uh, where do you set the bar for expectations? What should the fan expect from this club this year? It was, as we described at the start, it looked promising halfway through the year, and then it kind of fell apart in the second half last season. Is this a team that you think can can push for a playoff position this year? It gets a little tougher with an extra team in the conference. It does. It does, especially yeah, with Wenatchee there. Now, three teams don't make it. However, this is the season that we've been waiting for for, for some time. And, and I'm going back now to the pandemic year where they played just over 20 games and where... Uh, Dan Price brought in a lot of 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds and, and some 15s, you know, were got called up there for that season, and they went heavy, very, very young. And now those players are turning 19. So you got Braden Sherman, Carter Daranuski, Tanner Scott, Kalen Parker, uh, Ryan Spazaka. Those were the guys who were there back then and uh, got to play a lot of minutes. And so now... We're going to see them as 19-year-olds and uh, see how much that experience is paying off as they're now a more veteran group. And it's really exciting. And, you know, they've, they've, had, they've suffered so much, losing so many man games to injury over the last two seasons. The hockey gods owe them one. And now that, they've, that they're a more veteran group, uh, as, as Dan Price said, you know, the, the wave is starting to crest. And uh, there are some expectations now on this veteran group, a team that has missed the postseason two years in a row. Those 19-year-olds, as I mentioned, haven't seen one uh, lick of uh, WHL playoffs. So you know very well that they are a completely invested and determined team coming in with a chip on their shoulder. All right. Should be a fun year, an interesting year for the Victoria Royals. Marlon, as always, really appreciate your time. This was terrific. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, Guy. Marlon Martins with a uh, advanced look of the Victoria Royals. And I don't know what to make of the Royals. This is, it's a little trickier when you're based in the East and you're talking about a team from the West. And because I'm not the play-by-play guy for the Oil Kings, I only see them with my own eyes when they're here, which is only every second year. And, of course, with COVID, it's been a while since I've uh, really been able to focus 
on a team like the Royals. And so I don't really know what to expect from them. They really struggled at the end last year. I know, as uh, Marlon pointed out, injuries had a lot to do with it. I am looking forward to some of their younger players, and especially Cole Reshney, who he uh, mentioned there. Those are just ridiculous numbers, uh, like the last couple of years that he's put together. Hard to say that a 16-year-old is going to come in and have a massive impact, but we've seen it with some other players. We'll see if uh, if he is the spark that Victoria needs to get them over the hump and back into the playoffs. We'll see. I'm not sure right now if people are looking at them as a playoff team. If you are, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. we got a couple more teams to get to this week, including the defending WHL champion Seattle Thunderbirds. Tom Boyning, the voice of the T-Birds, is up next. He joins me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back hand side, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to The Pipeline Show. talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move! Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores! Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores! Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me! Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Excellent! Continuing on with our WHL team-by-team previews as we get set to uh, take a closer look at the, this year's edition of the defending champion Seattle Thunderbirds. And that means Tom Boyning, the uh, longtime voice of the uh, T-Birds, back on The Pipeline Show. Tom, welcome back. How, how was the summer? I imagine it was a little bit shorter for you than it was for most teams. Yeah, you said welcome back. I don't think I left. <laughs> it was a short summer, but again, that's what you want, isn't it? You want those short summers. Uh, that's true. I can tell you uh, uh, with uh, a team that only had 10 wins that um, a summer like that is uh, very long. It seems like it's been five or six months since uh, we were back in the rink. So, uh, yes, uh, it might be have been a short summer, but I think you enjoyed it probably more than we did here in Edmonton. Well, you had a short summer the previous year that you enjoyed definitely more than Seattle did. That's true. Because Knox, the Royal Kings had knocked Seattle off the previous year. So it was two short summers, but one was more enjoyable than the other. That's right. That's a good way of describing it. Uh, all right. We're going to take a closer look at this year's club. And uh, I know that a lot of people, I think, from the outside looking in are thinking, all right, well, Seattle really went after it hard last year, made a big, a number of big trades and uh, they're going to have to pay the piper. This is still a pretty darn good team when you look at uh, who's eligible, at least, to come back on paper. Uh, but let's start uh, with the reflecting on the uh, O2-born players who are too old to come back, and that would be Kyle Krenkovic and Jared Davidson up front, as well as uh, Luke Prokop, our old friend here in Edmonton, uh, who won't be back in the WHL this season. I know there are a number of other players who were with that championship squad who are not uh, coming back, or at least not expected to come back. 
Uh, can you rattle off some of those names for our listeners, uh, Tom? Yeah, it's quite a laundry list, if you will. But yep. uh, obviously, our, our captain from uh, last season, Lucas Siona, uh, will not be returning. Uh, Reed Schaefer, uh, he's not coming back. And a couple of guys who were picked up um, at or around the trade deadline from, from last year up front in Brad Lambert and uh, Dylan Gunther, along with Colton Dock. And that's mm-hmm. just the, the forward group. And then one other defenseman who was so huge uh, for us last year, uh, another guy we picked up in November uh, at the trade uh, deadline or as a trade uh, acquisition from Prince Albert. And that's, that's Nolan Allen's. And then, of course, you go in that. And at the moment, they are not anticipating Thomas Millich coming back. Uh, he's not signed yet by Winnipeg, but all indications are that he will play professionally this year. Could he come back? Potentially, I suppose. But they are not uh, planning on his return. All right. Well, that uh, starts us off perfectly with uh, by looking at the goaltending situation for Seattle this year. If Millich isn't back, and as you mentioned, he could come back, theoretically, but that would be up to the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, they could sign him and, and play him in, in the uh, ECHL or the American Hockey League rather than sending him back to Winnipeg. And I'm not sure what more you can ask for a guy at, uh, like him at the WHL level, so he's probably ready to take that next step. Uh, that leaves uh, Scott Ratzliff uh, to take over that number one job, but I imagine there are other guys still with the team right now or at least pushing him and, and trying to get that backup spot. Well, right now the backup spot appears to be Spencer Micknicks. Uh, Spencer came up uh, when uh, Thomas Millich was at World Juniors and backed up uh, Ratzlaff for about a month. He got into a couple of games, and he went 2-0 and and played very well. Uh, he had actually a pretty decent uh, preseason last year with us. And he is in in line to be the backup. He is the only other, at this point, signed goalie in the system. Now, there's a youngster in Jackson Decor they drafted uh, this past spring. He's already six foot five at age 15, but you know, he's only 15. So mm-hmm. that's it right now. Um, could they potentially maybe make a move to find another goaltender? Yeah, but I think they are very confident that the duo they have at the moment in Ratzlaff and Micknick are going to be the two guys they go with this year. All right, and, and Ratzlaff has played enough over the last couple of seasons. I know come playoff time, it's always been Millich and, and going hard with him in the last couple of years, but we've seen Ratzlaff in the regular season, and he's been very, very good. So is there any concern at all about taking a step back in that position? I, d- I doubt that. Yeah. Uh, if you go back last year, uh, December in particular, when uh, Millich was with Team Canada, Ratzlaff took the net over. He was the Western Hockey League goaltender of the month for December. Mm. And his numbers and his starts and his minutes played from the regular season last year, very similar to Thomas Millich as far as goals against, say, percentage shutouts. I think, believe he led the Western Hockey League in shutouts a year ago as a backup goalie. So I think they're very confident that Scott Ratzlaff kind of picks up right where Thomas Millich left off. Kind of forget about him because, as you mentioned, Last two springs, Seattle's had long playoff runs. He hasn't played, right? but when he's played in the regular season, he has been very good. All right, let's go to the uh, blue line. And uh, we mentioned uh, no Luke Prokop, no Nolan Allen. Those are two big losses, obviously, but there's still a lot of depth there. we got Jeremy Hansel drafted by Colorado. Kevin Kurczynski, who uh, I don't know if he's in camp or if he's going straight to Chicago's camp, but uh, drafted by the Blackhawks. Sawyer Minio, now a, a Vancouver Canuck uh, draft pick. And that's just at the high end, there's there's still a lot of talent here with this uh, T-Birds defensive core. Yeah, I think that will be the strength of the team 
this season. Is they're they're back and you mentioned those big losses, but yeah, you've got a, a guy coming back in Jeremy Hansel is a twenty year old. They traded for Trey Patterson from Calgary. He would be a twenty year old uh in the mix in in the back end situation. Sawyer Minio just continues to, to get better. Kevin Korchinski was at camp, but he's uh, moved on now to Chicago. But they anticipate he will be back mm-hmm. uh, to be on that, that back end for Seattle. And then a couple of youngsters last year who played a lot of minutes at 16 in Hyde Davidson and um, Bryce Pickford. Pick, Pickford in particular, he was uh, in the top six throughout the playoffs and through the Memorial Cup run. They are very high on both those two young guys. So I think that will be a strength for the team uh, going forward this season is that back end. And are there some young guys who came to camp who might be looking for spot duty at, at uh, times this year? Yeah, they they got a couple of youngsters. Caleb Hartman is one. He was, a, I think, a second-round pick. He'll be a 16-year-old in the mix. And Caleb Potter, another 16-year-old who they just recently signed this summer. He's looked good in camp. I, I you know saw him in the scrimmages and like what I see. I'll be interested to see how he plays in the, in the preseason games that we've got coming up. But he's another guy in the mix. But I think they, they again they really are confident in that that back end that they have enough talent there to to get through the season. Yeah, it's it's still uh, to me it looks like a very capable uh, defensive group and the the goaltending with Ratsov pretty solid. If there's going to be and I don't even think concern is the right word, but so many losses from the forward group, I don't even know if question marks are the right word. But guys who were playing maybe in the middle six last year who are suddenly going to be playing in the top six and probably quite capable of doing that, but. Uh, who is going to lead the way offensively for the T-Birds this year? Now that that's probably the what they call the sixty-four million dollar question, <laughs> uh, because they, you know Jerry Davidson after a great five-year uh, run as a T-Bird, he was been their leading scorer uh, in point production and goals the last few seasons. You know, and uh, we mentioned Lucas Siona and Kyle Krinkovic. Those are three of your top four goal scorers from last year. If you look at Seattle's offense last year, they scored three hundred goals during the regular season. 174 of those, I believe, have graduated out. Wow. And your leading returning uh, point producer is Kevin Korchinski, a defenseman uh, who had 62 assists last year. But they do return a pretty good 30-goal scorer from last year, and that's uh, Nico Majadovic, who was a second-round pick uh, in the, the summer draft by, by Anaheim. And he's just a terrific uh, two-way player, plays it the right way. I, I think of him almost more as a defensive defenseman, yet he was a 30-goal scorer this past season. And then you've got another guy who was drafted in the second round this summer, went to Florida. That's uh, Grayson Souchin. So those are the two guys right off the bat. You assume we're going to lead the team offensively as far as point production. And then you're going to have to kind of do it by committee after that. You're going to have some of those guys uh, that you mentioned with that middle six or you know, the, the bottom six they are going to have to jump up. Now, the one, I guess, question mark is, Jordan Gustafson, mm-hmm. because he missed most of the second half of last season. He got healthy just in time, I think, for the series uh, against Winnipeg, the, the league championship series, and played with us in the Memorial, Memorial Cup. But he was not at 100%. So yeah. he had off-season surgery, and he did that right after the Memorial Cup ended. So that, that occurred back in June. So that's the good news. He's on his way to rehab. But he's got a couple more months to go. So he's not going to be available probably until late October Early November, that's being conservative. So he'd be another guy in the mix, a, a pick by the Vegas Golden Knights a couple of years ago in the third round. So that's a good top line if you take a look at those three I, I mentioned. And 
uh, Gustafson, Myatovic, and Sauchin. But then you have to have guys like uh, Coster Dunn, who I think has had a terrific camp for Seattle. He's got to you know step up and uh, pick up some of that point production. Another guy who I really liked in camp is Simon Loveson. He was a former second-round pick who played four games last year up uh, with the T-Birds. He had two assists, but boy, he's looked really good in, in camp. So those are some of the names that are going to jump out. And then a, a 20-year-old possibility, because Seattle's got to still decide who their 20-years are going to be. Sam Popovich, he's kind of that Swiss Army knife guy up there, but I think he's capable of a 20 25-goal season if he's one of those 20ers uh, for Seattle. Well, and those other 20s, uh, at least that are still in camp, correct me if I'm wrong in case something's changed, but I think Mackay Saunders is still there and Ashton McNally as well, plus the, the two on the back end with Hansel and, and Trey Patterson. So there are definitely some uh, decisions to be made. Yeah, those are the four right now who are in the mix. And again, there's always that possibility of Thomas Miller coming back, but there, as we say, we're not anticipating that. So those yeah. those four fighting for three spots. It'll be interesting to see. Do you want to have the two 20-year-olds on the back end because you know you're not going to score a lot, so you want to shut other teams down? Or do you hope that one of those forwards, those 20-year-olds, can pick up some of that offense production they can lost? A couple of former Oil Kings uh, that have uh, resurfaced here, here in Seattle. I know the uh, T-Birds acquired Luca Hauf, uh, from, who's uh, a German who played here last season in Edmonton. And uh, I see Luke Robson also on the camp roster. Yeah, and uh, Hauf uh, right now is in, I guess you'd call it visa purgatory. Oh. So he hasn't actually arrived yet, but he's excited. We know that to come here and play and, and be a, a T-Bird. And Robson's looked solid in camp. I think he could uh, potentially be in the you know, middle six mix for Seattle as far as the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see preseason-wise how he performs uh, in trying to earn a spot. Just the one import, that being Luca Hauf. So is Seattle, uh, I guess they have an opening to grab someone else if one pops free. Uh, from around the league, or is there someone that I'm missing here? Well, they did select Jesse, I think it's Kiskinen, he's a Finn, right. uh, in the import draft, but he's looking to play professionally over in Europe. He's a draft pick of the National Predators, a third-round pick, but they have his rights. And it could be a situation like we had with Sam Kanajko a couple of years ago where he was playing professionally, but he wasn't getting the ice time over in Finland. So he eventually decided about midway through the season, you know, I'm going to go back to North America. I'm going to play in Seattle. And he was a big part of that team that went to the championship series that year that lost to Edmonton. So they'll leave that spot open, I'm sure, in case he changes his mind. Or maybe they'll go out and find somebody to fill that role. Hmm. Tom, what's the biggest question mark in your mind uh, still with the team? We, now that we're through the, the training camp portion, we've got exhibitions still ahead. And then we get into the regular season. But are there a couple question marks that you still have in, in regards to, uh, well, I don't know if, if it's going to be forward combinations or uh, maybe where the offense is coming from up front. Is there one sort of storyline that you're still waiting to see how it gets, gets answered? I, I think it's how they're going to find that secondary scoring. I, mean, I think they'll have two fairly good lines. So they've got to find you know those the bottom six. And a lot of young players, I believe, are going to get the opportunity to to do what Seattle did a couple of years ago in building up their two runs to the championship, both the series they lost to Edmonton and the win last year against Winnipeg's last win. Actually, that is, they threw the youngsters to the wolves. You go back to that pandemic season the year before that, they just let the youngsters play. So I think we're going to see that with some of the young guys, some of the 16-year-olds that are signed that could potentially earn a roster spot, you know, and, and guys who they know are going to be part of the roster this year, like Braden Coots. But, 
They've got uh, others like uh, Nishan Parmar and uh, a few others that are in that mix of those bottom six spots. And I think that's what the preseason is going to be about. And whoever earns those final spots, they're going to let them play. What should the expectations for from the fans be for this season? Because kind of referenced Edmonton and Seattle met a couple of years ago. We know what Edmonton did last season where they'd, they'd emptied the cupboards to, to get that championship and needed to, to make a bunch of moves. And they got really young last year. Uh, and it was reflected in the standings, but they recouped a lot of draft picks. What does Seattle do this year? Because they're kind of in a similar situation, but right now on paper, they've still got a pretty good team. I, I think it would be unfair to, to the group to suggest they're as good as last year and that they can repeat right now. Uh, but what direction do the, does the organization go? Do you, do you think there'll be some trades to recoup some draft picks? Uh, or does this team try to go deep again? Oh, to be a fly on the wall of general manager Bill LaForge's uh, <laughs> office right now and answer that question for you. Uh, I think they're talented enough on paper right now to earn a playoff spot. See, mm-hmm. uh, right now, they drop off to where they are just like a, like Edmonton goes all the way down to just 10 wins. But as you mentioned, they, they spent a lot of their draft capital to, to build the roster last year and the year before. So mm-hmm. at some point, do they say, We've got to recoup that. And when do they recoup it? Because the players who would bring back the most are probably those guys who are on the roster right now who won't be here next year. So that's the question. And Bill LaForge is never going to shy away from making a deal. And he did it to build this team up when he got here. He made big trades to acquire draft picks. He sent veterans out that were fan favorites. That Those moves disappointed the fans when they traded the Wedmans and the Jake Lees. Brought back three, four first-round picks as a result, though, and ended up being guys like Kevin Korchinski. So he's not going to be afraid to make the big trade, whether it's to acquire players. I don't think they're going to be in the acquisition um, game this year. But he's not been afraid to trade out guys to bring in draft picks to help build back up again. So that's the question, and probably won't be answered until January. Yeah, I was going to ask if, if that that sounds like a scenario where you probably don't you're not pulling the trigger too early because you might want to wait till you see where you are in the standings in December and early January. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm not putting other teams in a certain category, but I don't know that the Western Conference is all that deep this year. I think there's a lot of parity, so you could have a lot of teams fighting for those playoff spots out in in the West that are going to be pretty even in standing. So that may determine, you know, what happens at the trade deadline, where you are. Are you in a spot to maybe get a home ice advantage in the opening round of the playoffs, or are you going to be facing the first seed in round one of the the postseason? I think those are the questions that may determine what Seattle decides to do. But, yeah, they've got to at some point recoup some of that draft capital because they let a lot of first-round picks and a lot of they had accumulated them in trades, but they're gone now, and they don't have anything to trade out to help build this roster now. Well, parity is a good thing, and I'm hearing that word describing the Eastern Conference as well. So if we have both conferences with some parity, that, that's going to make for a fun year. And it gets a little bit uh, more complicated in the West because, well, you've got a new team in the in the conference and in your division with the Wenatchee Wild. How does that change the complexion for the U.S. division and, and for the conference overall? I think kind of like Seattle to start the season, they've got a very good roster. Yep. But like Seattle, they have they don't have the assets at least right now mm-hmm. to go and improve that roster. Wherein you look at teams like Portland and Prince George, they didn't trade uh, draft picks away last year. They still have all their picks to 
improve their roster. Seattle and, and Wenatchee are in a situation where, yes, the, on paper right now, they look pretty good. But how would they improve that without the draft capital to acquire players to improve their roster? Yeah, so we'll see how it plays out, and it gets a little harder to uh, to make the playoffs in, in the Western Conference. You know, you got to be better than three teams uh, instead of just two. I would say that's true. I mean, we have now the situation that the East used to have, where more teams are going to miss the postseason than make the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight out of ten make it. Now only eight of eleven are going to make it. Hey Tom, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Uh, should be a, whatever happens, it's going to be a fun team to watch, and uh, there's still a lot of talent there. I think what is it, six or seven NHL drafted players on the roster to start the year, and uh, asterisks next to uh, Thomas Milich's name. And I, I'm with you. I don't expect him back, but I guess it's a potential. Uh, but uh, however it, uh, it it unfolds for Seattle, I think the fans are going to have a fun year. I know opening night will be fun, <laughs> so I'll go from there and see how it goes the rest of the way. What do the Seattle Thunderbirds do this year? They've been to the WHL final the last two consecutive years. It's pretty hard to get to three in a row, although Edmonton and Portland did it against each other. I don't think Milich is back, but Ratzliff and Nett gives them a, a good goaltender, bonafide starter. I think Korchinski's back, and along with Hansel and Minio, they've got three NHL-drafted defensemen to build around. And maybe it's the forward depth that that needs a little tinkering, but, you know, if they get to late November into early December and they're right at the top end, you know, in first, second, third in the conference, I don't know what they have that they can trade to add, but if there's some hockey deals that they can make where it's not just draft picks, you know, why not go for it? I don't know if they will or not. What do you think, T-Bird fans? Do you want to see your team go for it again? They don't have a lot of picks to work with. Or do you take a step back, say we've been there, we've got a championship, we also have another one not all that long ago. Let's enjoy the season for what it is, trade a couple uh, big pieces, get some draft picks, build to take another run once again. What do you think they should do? Hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. We have one more segment to get to this week. It is in my backyard. The Edmonton Oil Kings. Nowhere to go but up after finishing dead last in the league last year. I think they can do it. Let's ask Andrew Peard, the voice of the Oil Kings. He joins me next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. I'm Trey Fitzwilanski of the Edmonton Oil Kings. At his own blue line now, Fitzwilanski cutting in right circle. Dances around his man to his backhand. Forehand, he scores! Oh my goodness, Trey Fitzwilanski! What a move, what a shot, what a goal. Oh mama. And this is the Pipeline Show. Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. 
Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. It's the third week in a row we're doing the team-by-team previews and uh, our last stop this week right here in Edmonton uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. And that, of course, means Andrew Peart is back on the Pipeline Show. AP, how's things? Really good. Really good. Happy to be back on the Pipeline Show and uh, getting ready to get another season started with you, Guy. Well, I'm looking forward to the year because, well, listen, a 10-win season – you want to move on from that as quickly as possible. But, uh, you know, the little bit that I've been at camp, I like this team. I think there's uh, some pretty intriguing storylines to follow. What Are you feeling a little bit of optimism? Yeah, I, I certainly am. And, you know, like you mentioned, it, coming off a, a 10-win season, you knew the team would be improved this coming year. What I think is going to be advantageous for the Edmonton Oil Kings, I don't know how many people are predicting them to be as improved as what you and I think they're going to be just from what we've seen at training camp and some of the offseason moves that, that Kurt Hill has made. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think this is a team that's going to make not just a, you know, a, a minimal jump next year, I think, or this coming year, I think it's going to be fairly sizable. And, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, about how this team will come together and, and start this season. All right. Well, we're going to dive into the roster that we've seen so far, but of course we've got to reflect on who's not back from uh, the end of the regular season last year. On the back end, it was uh, Tom Kadu, and uh, up front we had uh, Noah Boyko and Loic Daigle, and uh, you know all three of those guys journey, journeymen in the CHL. Daigle is off to the U Sports. I'm not sure where the other two guys are, uh, what their plans are this year. But I mean, they're they're long term CHL guys, and and good for them. And I hope they use their CHL package. But those aren't like your top three scores. This isn't something that's really going to be uh, impactful to the roster. No, those guys were all pretty much mercenaries last year anyways, coming in sort of in and around the trade deadline, just, just more or less to, to have some sort of veteran presence on the team. And credit to those guys because they came in here and you know they didn't drag their lips and say, I can't believe I'm spending my last year mm-hmm. in the WHL or in Lowick's case in the CHL playing for a last place team. They came in with, with a great attitude. I mean, Tom could do, uh, and first off, credit to you on your pronunciation of his name earlier. Serge Lejoie would be very, very <laughs> proud of you. Um, but but Tom and, and Loic, you know, those two guys came in here and, uh, you know, I, I think Loic on the ice made, made the biggest impact. He seemed to be kind of in and around the score sheet each and every game. And then Tom, unfortunately, was, was injured for much of his time here. But mm-hmm. uh, I think he was a, a positive influence in the dressing room when he was around the guys. And, and Noah Boyko, everyone just, just gravitated towards him. He's, he's, a, he's a unique guy. He's a really funny uh, young man. And, um, you know, I, I think those guys did a great job. But um, to, to say that they were impactful players for the team last year yeah on certain nights they were but they knew their future wasn't here with the oil kings and i think the team did as well and um you know looking forward to seeing what those guys do in their their next steps uh, like you mentioned Lois playing uh out east and then uh, noah's going to play for for the the golden bears this coming year and uh tom could do i think is just uh just wor- focusing on his education so uh, some good stuff there for those guys all right well the big picture is that there's a lot of returning players a lot of guys and that the one thing I keep reflecting on from last year, Andrew, is you know that what we saw at the start of the year compared to what we saw at the end of the year. I think that the the Oil Kings in late February, early March would have destroyed the Oil Kings of October, and we saw a lot of times where the Oil Kings would lose games six one or five one or something like that. And that by the end of the year, those they might still be losing those games, but they're suddenly three two games and things like that. I thought the the improvement of the team, the development of the team over the course of the season was pretty noticeable. Yeah, I, I think we saw the the sort of natural maturation of of a lot of players, a lot of young players that, you know, for the first 
three months of the WHL season, they're, they're sort of drinking from a fire hose. It's, it's a lot coming at them and, you know, they're, they're kind of on an Island by themselves with a bunch of other young guys surrounding them. So, you know, I, I think they were able to sort of survive that and, and really focus on their growth in the second half and, and, and being positive contributors. And, uh, you know, one thing that I think really helped the team was, was the acquisition of, of Logan Cunningham, the goaltender. And it's mm-hmm. not because Colby Hay wasn't playing good. It's because Colby Hay was playing just far too much and seeing far too many pucks uh, each and every night. So he was able to get a bit of a breather. Uh, you could kind of, you know, feel good about going back and forth with either of your two goaltenders. And, and those two guys did a great job sort of standing on their heads a lot of nights and, and keeping the guys in it and keeping things positive. So, you know, I, I really liked the way the team finished the season. Uh, and it was, a, it was a real positive for them heading into to, to this year. And, you know, you think about it, last game of the year was, was down in Calgary and you beat the Calgary Hitmen in dramatic fashion. It's a great way to go into the offseason and, and sort of feel good about, you know, the last time you put on the jersey. All right, you mentioned Logan Cunningham and Colby Hay. Might as well jump to the goaltenders. Uh, what we saw in camp and now into the exhibition season, how many guys are still with the Oil Kings as we speak? And is it really, uh, to begin the year, Logan Cunningham, Colby Hay, and, and then maybe getting a little bit of uh, a, safe, a safety net with some guys behind them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's no surprise that it's going to be Logan and, and Colby between the pipes, obviously Colby's going into to really his his third full year with the Oil Kings. He was here as sort of the third string goaltender during that that funny COVID season we had. But uh, you know he's a veteran. We we know what Colby's all about. And then Logan Cunningham coming in and getting his first full season with the Oil Kings. And you know just looking at him, I mean he, he put on. Um, I, I maybe this isn't good for a goaltender, but he put on a lot of muscle this off season. So he looks like he's ready to to handle a, a pretty big uh, workload this coming year. So. Uh, both guys came in in excellent shape, and and they're going to be uh, relied upon uh, heavily for the Edmonton Oil Kings moving forward. And then, yeah, during during uh, the preseason, it's just it's a, it's a three man show with with Logan and Colby, and then Jake Pilon uh, is kind of the the third man in the mix. He'll probably end up playing, I would imagine, Junior A somewhere to start the year, and uh, we'll we'll see what uh, what happens with him uh, with the uh, with the Oil Kings after that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's no secret, Logan. Uh, he showed extremely well when he came over from the Victoria Royals last year, and mm-hmm. and Colby Hay, he's he's been on a championship team before, so those are two guys that uh, that'll be pretty tough to unseat. But hey, Jake Pelon's going to do his best here. Uh, we'll see what he's got uh, through the preseason. It's nice to have two guys that are familiar with the league, though, and getting more experience. Now, it's it's not like you're trying to break somebody else in. Uh, what we saw a lot of last year, you're, the team is kind of past that now so you get two goaltenders back who are they're familiar with the league there's nothing's going to surprise them and they can just kind of take that next step yeah exactly that i mean there's just comfortability from not only them with their team but the the coaching staff and the players with their goaltenders they know what they're getting every single night the goalies know what to expect they know all these rinks they know all these uh, opposing players so uh, it's it's a, it's a nice bit of familiarity to, to have uh in that position uh, let's go to the defensive core and i know still lots of guys uh, around the team right now and uh they got a couple of uh, 2003 options on the defensive unit including mark lejoie who they acquired from the tri-city americans uh local product of course the the son of uh, serge lejoie who is on the bench here for the oil kings there's a lot of youth here but i really like it. i thought they gained a lot of experience last season and i'm i'm looking forward Probably more than anything else, looking forward to seeing how this defensive unit kind of gels and takes that again, takes the next step this year. Uh, but what when you look at the blue line, what do you see? Uh, I see a bunch of trees. These guys are big. This is a big, 
big blue line. And Mark Lejoie, he's the biggest of them, six foot six, closing in on 230 pounds. And, you know, we know what Mark's all about. He's been in this league for a long time. He is uh, an, an extremely good defender. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what uh, what he's able to bring to the back end. But, I mean, what excites me is, you know, Wojtek Court getting a full season yeah. with him. Obviously, it was really exciting to see him drafted by the Anaheim Ducks this past June. And, um, you know, through training camp, he's looked every bit uh, as of sort of the, the magician that he was on the blue line. You know, it just seemed every game last year he got better and better. And, you know, hopefully that can continue for him because, you know, he's going to be one of those uh, top pairing guys along with Mark Lejoie. And then, you know, you've got Carter Kowalik, who's going into his third year now with the Edmonton Oil Kings. And, you know, he comes in about six foot three, around 200 pounds. Um, it's just a steady, physical, reliable defender. Um, a, a guy that really, you know, he came in midway through that championship season. And, you know, he was like a sponge. He was learning from, you know, guys like Luke Prokop and, and Caden Gooley along the way. And, uh, you know, we're really starting to see him um, start to, to put some of those lessons he's learned to, to his use. And uh, we'll be exciting to, to see him at the, the start of this year. And then, you know, you got the, the, the younger guys like Ethan McKenzie. I mean, he, last year, I mean, I think at the start of training camp, he was five foot seven, 150 pounds. He's six foot, 170 pounds now. He's, uh, you know, he's really uh, focused on his own growth and, and physical strength. And, you know, I think that was the one thing that was lacking in his game last year. I think, you know, the way he saw the ice, the way he was able to get around the ice and, and make first passes, you were never worried about that. You were just worried about, you know, the physical side of things. And, you know, he's he's really addressed that. And I, I think he's poised to, to have a really big year. And, you know, Reese Peterson, um, you know, he's, another big tall defenseman gets around the ice really well smart very smart defenseman uh he's going to be uh, a lot of fun to see him play this year in a in a full-time role after joining the team um what was it about uh, just after christmas last year so yeah. um you know you mix that in with with the, you know like parker alcos and, and reed larson two young guys uh still looking to, to sort of carve their way out and you know jacob hoffrog who we haven't talked about he was one of those guys that came over at the trade deadline last year and you know, I think it was a seventh-round draft pick the team gave up for him, and you, you almost couldn't believe it because, I mean, he was playing so many minutes every night, and he made it look fairly easily. So, uh, you know, I think Jacob Hoffrog, he's a, a real nice piece on the back end. And, of course, the, the marquee name that everyone's going to want to talk about is Blake Fiddler. Uh, this will be his first year in the WHL, 16 years old, was the first overall pick in the U.S. draft a couple of years ago. Uh, comes with the name value, the son of Vern Fiddler, former uh, longtime NHLer and, and WHLer, and you know, I, I think you want to temper expectations on Blake early because you see first overall, all oh, this kid's going to come in and he's going to be a big difference maker. You don't see that with defensemen in our league. Forwards, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Dylan Gunther, 16-year-old year, uh, you know, he came in like gangbusters and he was off to the races. But, I mean, you think about it, Caden Gooley in his 16-year-old year, he was a 6-7 defenseman on the Prince Albert Raiders. Yeah. You know, you got to ease them along. And I think, you know, with the coaching staff, the Oil Kings have, with, with Luke Pierce and, and Serge Lajoie and Kyle Chipchura and, and Laddie Schmid, uh, he's in really good hands and they're going to really help his growth. And, you know, I think it's going to be sort of in the second half of the year where you really start to see him, um, you know, starting to, to inch away at making impact uh, significantly on games. This might be the biggest defensive uh, group that I've seen from the Oil Kings ever. I can't think of a, a year where they, I mean, everybody is over six feet tall outside of uh, Hofragi, who's just a hair below that. 
uh, I think Ethan McKenzie's the smallest guy, but he's six foot and 170 pounds, as he said. But six 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 three six three six three six four six two. The, and the, it's it's a very big group, and that that clearly is by design. I think uh, that the Oil Kings want to be a hard team to play against. Yeah, and I mean it's you know maybe taking a page a little bit from the the NHL. You look at the Vegas Golden Knights, and you know they just had a bunch of big mutants on the back end, and it worked <laughs> for them. They they won the Stanley Cup and. You know, you, you make it hard to get to your net. The other team's going to have a hard time scoring. So, um, yeah, I really like the way that this back end has, has come together. And they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. And for opposing forwards, it's not going to be a lot of fun to play against. You're going to see guys sort of dumping and not so much chasing, maybe dump it in and change and let somebody else go after the puck. Andrew Peard, voice of the Oil Kings, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we get set for the upcoming season. Uh, the Oil Kings uh, have a couple of 03-born forwards as well, so options up front with to- two 20-year-olds and two on the blue line. Something I'll have to give. But they acquire Ty Nash today as we're speaking. It is, uh, what is today, Wednesday, from the uh, Wenatchee Wild. Still getting used to saying that. But uh, Ty Nash comes in with uh, a lot of WHL experience. It, it cost them uh, a young forward, uh, Dawson Seitz. I shouldn't say young because this would have been year three for him. Uh, in the Western Hockey League, but uh, maybe we'll start with Ty Nash and what he brings to the table here for Edmonton. Yeah, I mean that's the 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 number one thing that was the the, the Oil Kings struggle last year was they they couldn't score goals. They didn't have you know the ability to to put up more than you know two goals on on any given night. And I think the team has gone out uh, in this off season, whether it be through the import draft or or through trades like the the, the one that we saw today to to get Ty Nash to to sort of address that and bring some some older guys in that, that have scored before in this league. And, you know, Ty Nash was a 20 goal scorer last year on a very deep Winnipeg team. So you might be thinking, well, yeah, he played for Winnipeg. Of course, he's going to put up the points, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a ton of ice time in the top six available for guys like Ty Nash. When you look at, um, you know, some of the other forwards that Winnipeg had. So he found a way to contribute a little bit further down their depth chart. Now he's going to be put into more of a prominent role here in Edmonton. So I think we're going to see a, a nice increase uh, in Ty Nash's numbers, and this is a guy that the team's been familiar with for a long time. You know, prior to last year, spent three years with the Lethbridge Hurricanes, the team the Oil Kings played in the first round of the uh, 2022 playoffs. Uh, and he was a guy that, man, he's a thorn in the side of, of opposing players. He, he plays with, with some grit and some gumption and a little bit of in-your-face nastiness. And, um, you know, I, I like that about him, and he's not afraid to, to go to the tough areas to, to find his offense. So this is a real good get for, for Kurt Hill and yeah, you do give up a, a younger player in Dawson Sites, but you know I think uh, you know if you, you read the press release today, Kurt mentioned he thinks it's a good change of scenery for for Dawson, and I think Dawson was someone who who might have needed that change of scenery. So he's going to go to Wenatchee, and he's going to get more of an opportunity there and a bit of a fresh start. And um, you know I, I think it's a good trade for both teams, but uh, if you're the Edmonton Oil Kings, you you certainly got probably what will be the more productive player for at least this year, and for Wenatchee's sake, they're hoping for the next couple of years. Uh, they've hit a home run with Dawson. Well, and the other uh, overage player, a guy would, who is in his 20-year-old season that the uh, Oil Kings brought in, played in Portland last year, and that would be Aiden Litke. And until camp, I don't think I'd seen him play, certainly not in person because of all the COVID stuff the last few years. But uh, you actually get to uh, see the, the guys on the road. So uh, what did what sort of impression did Aiden Litke make on you when he was a Winterhawk, and how's he fitting in with the team so far, and what would his role be here? Yeah, well, I think uh, another guy that's being brought in to, to count on some scoring had 36 points in 50 games last year. Ended up missing sort of the from both February onwards with uh, with an injury, but sounds like that's behind him and he's ready to come in here and 
and take on a bigger role. It's a similar situation that Ty Nash was in, Aiden Lickie, a little further down the depth chart uh, in Portland, but uh, getting to get uh, much more of an opportunity here in Edmonton. And, you know, he's a guy with, with decent size. He gets around the ice really, really good. Um, looked like he had some good chemistry going through training camp with another Winnipeg guy in, in Gavin Hodnett. Um, so you, you like that early on. And uh, I think he's just a guy that, that you can rely upon each and every night to bring it consistently in the offensive zone. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's another nice piece that, uh, that the Edmonton Oil Kings have picked up. And, you know, we've, we've sort of seen this. It's sort of in Kurt Hill's M.O.G. Like, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, he finds these 20-year-olds in and around the WHL draft. You think about, you know, the Vince Lossky-Avos and the, the Quinn Benjafields and the Andrew Fightons of the world. And they come in and, you know, Kate Oliver... These guys come in and, and you know, they, they have their, their very best years playing for the Edmonton Oil Kings. So mm-hmm. uh, the team's hoping they've, they've done that again with, with Litke and Nash. Riley Sawchuck, another one that comes yeah. to mind. And I, I still think we haven't seen the, the best of Rhett Melnick yet. I think this could be a real turning point year for him as well, a more impactful season. And I, get, I jumped ahead a little bit, but you mentioned uh, Gavin Hodnett. And interesting because he and Litke are, have been playing on the same line to this point in camp. Uh, but Hodnett has moved over to the wing, and that's because there's a newcomer uh, to the team in uh, Adam Yeko, who uh, they picked up in the import draft. And uh, this is a big body, six foot five, two hundred pounds, draft eligible this year. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on him and Hodnett, who's also draft eligible. Now I don't know if that's going to stay as a line on opening night, but so far in camp, what sort of impression have they made on you? Well, we could do a little Halloween thing with them. Jekko and Hodnett, like, uh, what was that movie, Twins, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Danny DeVito? Yeah. Kind of do something like that with uh, with those two guys. But, no, I mean, it's I mean Adam is he's extremely skilled for a big man. He's got um, unbelievable hands, good vision, sees the ice extremely well, moves well for a big man. Um, I, I think still still learning how to use his his big frame to, to create leverage for himself. It's it's never easy to be 17 years old and, and be in a six-foot-five frame. You're trying to trying to figure everything out, uh, you know, in, in terms of advantages that you can use that, that body with. But, uh, no, I, I think this is going to be a, a real impactful player for the Oil Kings. Maybe not so much right off the hop. I think you're going to have to give him some time and be patient with him. This is his first time playing the North American game. Although I do think it's more tailored towards his skill set, playing on the smaller ice, playing in the Western Hockey League with a little bit more physicality. But, you know, I think there'll be an adjustment period for him. But uh, once he gets his legs under him, he'll be – He'll be off and rolling, and, and a, a big, big part of the Oil Kings top six with, with Gavin Hodnett. And I mean, just to, to touch on Gavin Hodnett, I mean, this is this is uh, you know an extremely intelligent player. He's you know I I know he's undersized. He comes in at five foot eight, but I mean, how many times did you see him get hit last year, Guy? Like, yeah, it's pretty never. He, he, he and it's not because he's afraid to go to areas where he gets hit. It's because he he's got great vision. Uh, he's got great awareness. Uh, he doesn't put himself into trouble. And oftentimes he's finding guys that are open. And, and you know, Gavin Hodnett, I think he's going to have a really, really good year uh, this coming season. He's he's a young man that takes uh, his job of being a hockey player very seriously. And, and he looks very determined to, to, to show that, uh, you know, last year he was, what, third highest scoring 16-year-old. Uh, he plans on, on showing that that was uh, not by mistake. I was still surprised he wasn't part of the Holinka Gretzky Cup team, but maybe that's a little extra motivation and fuel to his fire this season. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, you know, we we used to see uh, another player that wasn't the, the biggest uh, on the ice that used things like that to motivate him and to, to dominate the WHL. So uh, if, if Gavin has that in him, I think uh, the Oil Kings are in a real, real good spot. Oh, who are you talking about? Well, you made the comparison last year. 
to Mr. Fix Walansky. Fix Walansky. Different different players, but yeah, there are some similarities for sure. Different build, but I think from a mindset and a and a skill set, hockey IQ and the way they kind yeah. of uh, patrol the outside and and uh, set up guys, uh, I thought there were some similarities, especially on the power play. But we'll we'll see what Hodnett looks like uh, this year, and maybe he's got some new tricks in his bag. Uh, another line that we've seen in camp, one that I really like uh, because I, I see the potential for being a real tough, aggressive, in-your-face, pain-in-the-ass line to play against. Has Marshall Finney in the middle between Nathan Pilling and Rylan Kovacevic? And the way I described it, is that how you see it? Because I, I this is a line I wouldn't want to play against. Yeah, it's, just, it's a lot of snarl on that line and just guys that are <laughs> going to be tough on the forecheck and you know, you're you're never going to get a shift off when when those three come over the boards if they are in, in fact, a trio to start this year. But uh, they all bring it physically. They they all have good size, uh, and, and you know they all are able to 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 cash in in and around the net. I mean, we've seen Rylan Kovacevic; he's got that heavy shot. Nathan Pilling, we didn't get to see him mm-hmm. as much as we would have liked last year after the team acquired him in the the Logan Dowhaniak trade. Obviously, on January 10th, he ends up going out for the rest of the year with just sort of a, a fluke ankle injury, but. You know that's behind him now, and um, he's looked really good at uh, at training camp. Uh, six foot three, two hundred five pound forward, and he skates like the wind and can shoot the puck uh, a million miles an hour. So I, I think he's going to be uh, a real good uh, contributor for this uh, this Oil Kings team. And yeah, Marshall Finney might be one of the most entertaining players to watch because every single time he steps on the ice, it's one hundred and ten percent. He's going to hit somebody. He's going to get a shot on goal. He's going to win a faceoff. He's going to do something to impact the game. And this is the guy that just forced his way into the Western hockey league as a 18 year old free agent camp invite last year. And mm-hmm. yeah, last year was probably the year that you, you could find a way onto this oil Kings roster, but he took advantage of it. And he's not a one and done guy where, okay, you know, we've gone out, we've made a bunch of acquisitions and Marshall, you're no longer needed by the end of the year. Marshall Finney was a guy that was relied upon so, so heavily. Uh, he's really carved out an important role for himself on this team. And he's, he's earned the trust of the management and, and the coaching staff. And, uh, boy, I, I enjoy watching him play uh, each and every night and watching him get under the skin of, of opposing players. Well, and I know on our broadcasts uh, of the games, I always have the, the geese guy of the game, and I always single out somebody that I'm looking to uh, make an impact that night. Uh, I've already named Nathan Pilling as my uh, geese guy of the year. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a player who surprises a lot. He's gonna, I think he's going to score. I think he's going to find the back of the net. And uh, maybe even get some draft consideration. How about that for for Nathan Pilling? A couple other guys to to touch on that we haven't really uh, mentioned yet. A guy like Cole Miller, who kind of gone under the radar a little bit the last uh, year or so, started to pick it up in the second half of last season. And if he can continue from where he left off, this could be a real good season for him. It felt like in in January, just the the switch flipped on him and he just sort of discovered, Hey, I'm six foot four. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I skate extremely well. And, um, you know, I can, I can take over games at times. I think there was still a little bit of finish missing from his game, but all of a sudden he was putting himself more into a position to be dangerous on the ice. And, um, I, I think if he can continue that, he's been a guy that, you know, he, he had a lot of mass to gain on that six foot four frame. He was very slender last year, but he's up to 190 pounds. Now he, he really put in the effort this off season uh, and, and he really wants to be an impactful player for this Oil Kings team. And I, I, I think he will be just, you know, the, the, the mindset that he has very business-like attitude and um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a real important player, I think for this team and um, his, his ability to, to create open ice for himself just through his size and his speed. 
uh, I think is a really important thing that that he's discovered how to how to best utilize. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm expecting big things for for Cole this year, and uh, I know he's expecting big things for himself. Well, I know, and some young guys who are trying to become everyday players, Landon Hansen, who we saw in spot duty last year, Trayson Watney as well, and uh, Johnny Sabo and uh, Ben Wright, if they can uh, stay healthy. Anybody else that we haven't really touched on or focused on that you think deserves uh, a, a bit of a shout out? Well, Rhett Melnick, the captain, I know you yep. kind of briefly talked about him, but, uh, you know, I think, I think last year, you know, being named captain in, in January was, was something that was, was good for him. And I think it was good for the team to, to get that done in January and, and give Rhett sort of, you know, a few months of, of being the captain and, and sort of, uh, understanding what that responsibility comes with and, 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 and finding his voice as, as the leader of this team, uh, I think was really good. I think he put some pressure on himself and, and, uh, maybe we didn't see the production that we saw in the first half from him, but you also can't forget that uh, he basically broke his finger in half in a game from Brandon in this one hockey game because, you know, he was trying to gut it out for his team. So, you know, he was he was playing in a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort down the stretch last year, but um, he's healthy this year, and I, I think it's going to be a really good year for Rhett. I mean, he is he's everything you want uh, a, a captain to be. He's uh, He's a really fine young man and uh, a really good hockey player, and, and I think now this year – um, you know, just knowing what it takes to be the captain of a hockey team, he's not going to put as much pressure on himself. He can just go out, be himself, uh, and be the hockey player that, that we know he can. So, uh, you know, Rhett's uh, certainly a guy I wanted to, to key on there. And then Mason Finley, hey, <laughs> leading goal scorer from last year. And, and he closed the year on a, on a goal-scoring tear. He found some chemistry with, with Gavin Hodnett. Not sure that they're going to obviously start the year together. As we've talked about, it looks like that's going to be Adam Yeko and, and Aiden Litke with, with Gavin to start the year. But you know that that you got a guy in Mason Finley who's who's had success with Gavin, and if there's a spark that's needed, uh, Mason has shown that when given an opportunity and, and put in a scoring position, he he often doesn't miss. So, um, you know that's uh, that's another player that uh, I think uh, is looking to to really establish himself this season. I've been asking the, all the rest of the guys uh, that I've had on uh, if there's a storyline or something about the team that they're watching pairings or you know who's for some teams who's the starting goaltender going to be or what the 20 year old situation will be like when it comes to the oil kings when you look i don't know if it's already been answered to this point for you but going into the into training camp and into exhibition is there still something about this club that you're you're waiting to see how it kind of develops no not not so much i mean i i think the curious thing is is just how much improvement are we going to see um and, and i think it's going to be significant um you just you know, through through the additions they've made. I mean, last year, their their top six group of forwards oftentimes were were not very much of a, a top six. This year, that's not the case. You've got guys that should be in the top six that there's just not room for them. Um, so I I think that's the yep. biggest storyline is is just the the increase in offense that we're going to see, uh, and uh, just looking forward to seeing Adam Yeko in in the flesh and. Um, seeing what uh, what sort of uh, element he can bring to this team because you know you don't see a lot of six foot five, two hundred pound, seventeen year old centermen come through the Western Hockey League, so that'll be fun to watch. Well, goals for last year, one hundred and thirty one goals against three hundred and thirty eight. I think both of those are going to uh, change direction uh, rapidly. Uh, how much that remains to be seen, but I think their goals against are going to come way down and. Uh, I hope they find a way to uh, to be more offensive. That's for sure. Uh, lastly, from uh, the fans' perspective, what should they expect from this team? It's it's an awful big ask to go from a ten win season to the playoffs. But is that where you set the bar for expectations? That get in and and see where you can go. It's 
it's a little bit different. You only have 11 teams now in the in the conference, and it's, you only got to be better than three other clubs, but it's tough to go from last place to the playoffs, although Medicine Hat did it last year. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly a daunting task. I think, you know, the Oil Kings obviously would like to be in the playoffs, but I, I think the most that you want to take away from this year is that when we get into February and March, those games are meaningful. If they can be meaningful, uh, I think this team has, has uh, it, you know, reached their expectation of themselves this year. And I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that they will certainly be playing meaningful games uh, in those two months of the season. So uh, I think that's what they're aiming for. And, uh, you know, you get to that hurdle, and if you can jump over it, all of a sudden you find yourself in the, the first round of the WHL playoffs. Well, that's just gravy for, for a team that's coming off a 10-win season. But uh, I, I know they, they have high expectations for themselves, and uh, I think they got the right people in place to, to try and reach them. Andrew, I really appreciate your time. This was fun. We'll uh, we'll see you down at the rink. My pleasure. I'll see you September 22nd in my car on our way to Red Deer. Road trip. All right. Perfect. Great stuff, pal. Great. Anytime. Take care. We'll see you. Andrew Peard, voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, with a uh, look at the team that finished just 10 wins last year. That was a very long season. But uh, as I mentioned during that uh, that conversation, the team got so much better compared to where they were at the start of the year. It's really promising for, for this season. I like the additions that they've made. I, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but they're I think they're going to be close. They are not going to be an easy team to play against. Andrew talked about that size, and it's not just on the back end. they got some big forwards. And even the guys, someone like Rylan Kovacevic, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's just under six feet tall, but he plays a rough physical style too. And newcomer Ty Nash, very similar to that. So uh, Edmonton is not going to get pushed around this year, that's for sure. Six teams this week. We got six left to go coming up next week, and then we will be set for the start of the Western Hockey League season. But that is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks to everyone who's been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash Show. A bunch of people who have been uh, signing up for the seven-day free trial. And more often than not, they continue on. So that's great to see. All the interviews you're hearing on this week's episode, they were done on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, and uh, pretty much available to patrons later that day or the next day in most cases. So if early access is something that uh, would interest you, why don't you check that out again? Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Next week, the six teams that will be in the spotlight. We'll finish it off with Prince Albert, Wenatchee, Tri-City, Swift Current, Calgary, and the Portland Winterhawks. All of that next week between now and then. Get out and watch some preseason hockey so we can talk about it next week right here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Guy Flaming. See ya.